0: Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 75. Got a great show for you on your Saturday afternoon.
1: We're going to talk about
2: PewDiePie.
1: <laughs> we're going to try to liberate <laughs> Italy one man at a time in Sniper Elite 4. And we're going to pick up our console controllers for some RTS action
0: with Halo Wars 2. Let's go! <laughs> Happy weekend, everyone! It's Game Face, episode 75 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. Haven't done that for a couple months. Nope. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are having a great weekend and a nice, lazy Saturday afternoon. I know uh, I am.
1: Well, it's not lazy yet. We're doing this. Yeah, this seems pretty. <laughs> la- it's pretty lazy doing a show. It's hard work.
0: We <laughs> planned all,
1: prepared all week for this. Playing many video games.
0: <laughs> it's a tough life. Watching a- many
1: videos. It's
0: a hard knock life, but uh, somebody's got to do it. So here we are. Hope you guys are having a good weekend. Hopefully, maybe you cracked a beer or two to watch the show with us today. I will say one thing. I do not think, as of right now, this is going to be one of our longer episodes. I've said that, that a- every
1: single time. Be I said it all the time. And- We'll see. I mean, it, it, it's a very short sheet. It is. This time. This is
0: one of our our shortest rundowns ever for Game Face, since we changed the format away from the one hour once Matt came on and, and Marcus departed. So, we'll see how
1: it goes. We do have a tendency to ramble. Although, although really, you and Marcus were not holding to that anyway. So. Yeah,
0: we just started to kind of go over it. Marcus I mean, didn't really want to elaborate. Like, right. he was very short on that.
1: On Game Face when he was a part of it. Right. So. But i I mean, I, I hit the little buzzer thing and, and it was nothing. Yeah, we just <laughs> ignore just, it. And just, just keep, keep going. on going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, let's get straight to it. Uh, we talked to you guys about For Honor last week. We talked about the multiplayer. I've been playing the beta. Uh, Matt had not had a chance to really play it yet. Mm. Um, in the last week, we've both been playing the living hell out of For Honor. Uh, Matt, you've been playing mostly multiplayer. Or did you finish the campaign? Uh, I'm right at the end of the night chapter of the campaign.
1: Campaign's not particularly absorbing to me.
0: That's what we want to talk about mostly, because we did talk multiplayer a lot last week. So we want to talk about the campaign in For Honor. Um, Matt, one thing I've realized the more I've played this game is that it's a fighting game. Like, you know, it's if you look on Sifted, it's classified as an action-adventure. I think most websites have it classified as an Mm action-adventure. Really, though, it is a fighting game. It's all about that one-on-one
1: combat. Yeah, when it comes down to, like, what you're doing moment-to-moment in the heart of the gameplay, it is a fighting game. Yeah. No question. And I like that about it. Yeah. Reminds me of Bushido Blade in a couple of ways. I mean, not as extreme in the one-hit-kill thing, but, like... You know, it's it's a balance of what can that character do, what, how do you know how, to, how the mechanics work, how the mechanics of that character work, how the mechanics of that character work against your against character. Against the other one, yeah. Um, you can learn a lot by playing the different characters against the AI. Like, and that's one
0: thing I like about the campaign, is that it does force you yeah. to play... Well, sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, because I don't right. like every character. Right. But it does force you to play with every one of them, and for enough amount of time that you can kind of figure out whether you may want to use that character in multiplayer yeah, or not. So
1: far, it is definitely a glorified t- tutorial. Yeah. Um, to the point that it's even teaching you how to do stuff the tutorial already taught you how to do. Right. Um, I feel like that tutorial that you play when you, uh, when you first start the game up must have been added late.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. And I wonder if they did that just because they think some people may only play the multiplayer. Right. I,
1: think that's, I think that's absolutely true.
0: But the campaign itself, man, it really, and look, I don't know if you remember or not, but we were talking, I think it was maybe our post-E3 episode from mm-hmm. last year, where you were really excited about the campaign, mm-hmm. and I was saying, I'm not excited at all. It looks like they've just stitched together, like, the scenarios with very little sort of context to them.
1: Because I was hoping that, like, what we played of the campaign and that was sort of like a, you know, like a little taste of a mission. Right. Turns out it was pretty much the whole mission. <laughs> like, these, these, yeah. these chapters are like ten minutes long yeah. for the most part. Well, some
0: of them. Some of them are a little longer. A little but, bit.
1: But like if you know what you're doing, you're gonna hack through this thing faster and you can you know blink. But this game is what I thought it was back then. Yeah. It
0: is just a set of skirmishes linked together with some of the most absurd mm-hmm.
1: cinema sequences and and Scripts I've ever experienced in a video game. Yeah, I... Some high-level talent. Like, they're definitely, you know, like, like the first, the warden, if you pick the female warden anyway, you're, it's Jennifer Hale. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, there's some... They, the voice acting is the voice good. Acting. The script is just insane, though. Like, I'm not sure where they're going with it. Like, I can't understand Like, for a game it. that starts with, like, some crazy cataclysm happened and dropped, like, three separate historical warring factions into a world that may or may not be our world, and the, I'm like, you're really sort of... And, like, well, and then we fought for a thousand years, and technology did not advance at all for some reason. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm like, I don't really understand what this is about. What I are mean, they doing? I don't understand it. It's like you have these missions where like we're gonna get their food stores. Does nobody
0: have food? Like nothing is explained. And then like you have these very cryptic conversations between like the leader and you that have no context and make no sense whatsoever. It's like the story might as well not even exist in my opinion in this game.
1: Yeah. It's it's. Uh... It ain't going to win the writing award at the end of the year. That's for sure. It's just its just sort of there to hang this here's how you play the game campaign on.
0: Oh, and they and use this grandiose all. verbiage. Like, I feel like the guy who did all the initial presentations and interviews for this game
1: wrote the script for this I'm game. Sh- I'm sure he was involved. Because
0: yeah. he speaks exactly how they speak in right. this game.
1: Well, you spend enough hours at a Ren Fair, and, you know, it just <laughs> it's, it starts to rub off.
0: I guess. I, uh... The campaign's not very long.
1: No. It's, not at all. I
0: think, maybe four hours. If that.
1: Like, I got through most of the night stuff in like an hour. Like, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, the night was. The... And I'm, all, I'm not counting the load times on right. That, right? it. Was just like, But in that terms of actual gameplay time, it's probably about an hour. Yeah, I think if you, it, depending on how good you are, it can last around four hours. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing on, like, the, I should probably be playing on hard, the hard difficulty or, like... And I would recommend that, too, playing yeah. it. I would not play it on normal. No, it's too easy. It is,
0: yeah. Especially um, once Because here's the, here's the thing about the campaign, and obviously this is different for multiplayer. But in the campaign, there's a couple things that you can learn to do that will basically defeat every enemy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like, there's the one, you hold block... And then you time your block with the R2, or the right trick and parry. And it pretty much just takes out every enemy. It's a lot like Assassin's Creed with counter kills. Mm -hmm. In fact, playing this campaign actually reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed. Because you have these moments where you're confronted by, like, 12 or 15 dudes and they all just kind of stand around and watch you fight everybody one-on-one and just take turns just killing everybody. That's because they're so intimidated by you.
1: Apparently. It's yeah, like yeah. Dynasty Warriors.
0: <laughs> you think if they were intimidated, it would be like, how like, about wow, five of us? wow, that's Lubu.
1: You can't, you can't just attack Lubu all at once. That would be rude well, you think so if they're so like, intimidated, they'd be like,
0: "Let's band together and fight him all at once." But that, that like never happen
1: happens. It, happen- it the, the I occasionally have had like a real, a couple really persistent underlings in um, in multiplayer. Like where, like, I'm trying to fight another player, and like there's some dude behind me just keeps whacking me in the head. I'm just like,
2: yeah, <laughs> you know, stab
1: and like yeah. yeah. And, uh, but every once in a while, like those guys are a nuisance in the actual multiplayer. I've never seen them be of any use to anyone in in the campaign. Um, I maybe I'm I'm kind of tempted to try it on Realistic, which apparently removes the HUD and all that stuff completely. Uh huh. Um, so you have to fight like you know entirely by skill and instinct. Um, I don't know if maybe I'm not ready for that because I do rely on those red arrows a lot still. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, and the other thing,
0: you know, every once in a while you are presented with an enemy that won't fall to that tactic. Right. But then it's like, like mini boss things. Or right. Whatever. And then instead of hitting the right trigger, you just hit X. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just, it does the same thing And Assassin's Creed did that same thing Like once they realized people were counter-killing their way through the entire game Mm -hmm. They would throw in enemies that
2: you need to counter kill. But
0: then, in Assassin's Creed, it was obvious when you get to those guys And you just do something else to Mm -hmm. kill them And I feel like the campaign in in For Honor is is very much the same way
1: Well, I mean, in general, I think they probably need to do something with the, the guard break yeah. Like, the you know, the throw the thing. thrust, yeah. Like, it should probably take more stamina than it does, because yeah. it's, it's really you easy to spam it. And um, it's annoying, too. Oh, it's really annoying. I yeah. mean, there's ways to counter it, but that's the thing, is, like, the counter window for that, I find is too slow... Or is too narrow for an online game that moves this fast? Yeah. Especially considering how terrible the servers are. Yeah, the servers um, are. Des- also- I have had more games dropped in this in For Honor than like all the multiplayer stuff I've played over the last year combined. Well, another thing that happened to me
0: was I was playing the campaign, and I was basically in the last chapter of a level, and it said unable to communicate oh, with Ubisoft right. servers. Yeah. It crashed, and I lost everything and had to play that whole campaign again it had somehow i don't know if it wiped my save it hadn't been saving checkpoints or whatever but when i rebooted the game up i had to start mm. all the way back from the beginning again so little buggy i mean the servers are kind of a mess right now yeah. i mean it,
1: it makes sense the servers are getting hammered it just came out as yeah, time goes just, on people are gonna start dropping out and it, but it's just it's I mean the, the I mean full crashes out of the game like and and not even trying to migrate host just yeah. like boom you're out done yeah. like back to the stupid multiplayer map thing.
0: So look we talked about campaign you've been playing multiplayer a little bit since we talked about it last week before you had a chance to kind of try it out is there anything you want to share about multiplayer? Uh, I'm pretty good at it.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> Because it just, you know, the fighting game aspect of this just kind of clicks with me. And, and maybe I won't be as good at it in a week when everybody else figures out quite how it works. But, yeah. like, right now, I'm just really taking advantage of the fact that, like, you know, the strategy is this isn't there for most people yet. Yeah. And it's really fun when I... It was a couple it's characters... It's really...
0: Once you get it... it really a couple, at couple it, characters
1: it, it's, I'm not good against. Yeah. And... Uh, Running up against people who are good with those is really interesting. I actually had, I was doing some duels because you have the, you know those, those daily missions to complete. Yeah. I was doing some duels. I ran into a guy who was using one of the characters i 'm not good against, which is the the knight with the uh, the flail yeah um, I just find his animations hard to to up t- t- yeah. with basically because uh, I, I play uh Kensei, the the big uh, samurai guy the, you know not the big samurai guy, but the the default vanguard samurai, yeah, and uh, she 's a little. You know, she's a little slow yeah. in, in ways. and I like, find it's hard to fight people who... Any character this fast. Uh, it can be, but like because you, when you play huge... them, you realize the disadvantage they're at. Right. right,
0: but you have... The, there's a huge expanse between, like, the middle class and the mm. really quick class. Yeah. Like, the, the heavies and the mid-class... The jump's not that big. You can adjust pretty quickly, but the fast characters are way freaking fast. Oh yeah! And you're right. They have disadvantages. You know, they don't do as much damage. They take more damage. You can block them forever
1: if you know how they're. You can. Yeah, Um, because their stamina. And they don't have. You know, one of the main disadvantages is that you know they they, you they can't just sit on a direction. You have to push the direction to block every time. with Those characters. So. You know, if you can fake them out, uh, it's a lot easier to fake them out in a lot in some ways if they're not fast on the dodge. Um, and that's the thing is like you just block enough, and then you know they don't have enough stamina to dodge effectively, and you right. sort of close in on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, early on when you start, the assassin characters are just especially the hard the, knight, the knight guy, the one like can just it's it's like there's a, there's a dagger everywhere.
0: I don't like, even feel like there's enough time to like block. Because, the, again, because you're not using a button to block, you're using mm. the stick, there's that time that it takes to move the stick, and re- in a fighting game, yeah, those milliseconds make a difference. Yeah, but it
1: reacts like almost the instant you leave the dead zone. Yeah. So it's not like it waits for you to get all the, the way edge. across, yeah. Um, I don't. So I don't, I don't really, I actually find it fairly impressively responsive in terms of like, you know, I've had a couple of things where I'm like, oh shit, he's going the other way, and I hit, you know, and it, and I get the block, I do get, I do the, get block. the block, it's pretty, yeah. con- pretty forgiving, even for like, you know, moments where I'm like I thought I was never going to get it because of you know the inherent uh lag in online but I made it and it was you know th- those are those are fun moments um, but like uh and I like you know it's funny how like the I'm not a I'm a big fan of like just straight-up deathmatch stuff, usually, in, in multiplayer games. But I'm having a lot of fun with the elimination mode, which is the everybody only gets one life. Right. And it kind of starts you all one-on-one in different parts of the map. Yeah. And then as people win their fights, they kind of come kind back together, together and yeah. try to either finish off the people who are left or try to survive because more of you have been killed. Yeah. And, like, I, like the dynamics in that is really... And, and one time I played a match where, because uh, usually it's like everybody has, a, has their fight and then you all kind of find each other... And the guy was trying to like every time I try to fight the guy, he just they just turn around and run. I was talking about that and last week. Like, and they'd like all run. gather up and fight you as a team instead. Yeah. And I was like, that's an that's a, I mean that's a smart strategy. It's a, tactic, yeah. it's a good tactic. And of course they must have known each other because you can't organize your... I mean, one thing I've definitely been taught by this game's multiplayer is that a lot of people playing online games do not understand what tactics mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one... under. You know, I mean, it's bad enough when you're talking about, you know, you're losing B in any multiplayer game. You're like, you're losing B. Go go get it back. Oh, not everybody go get it. Like, someone has to guard A, you know? Right, but if you go by yourself, or right. you only have two people, you get there and they have five. Well, they can't have five because there's four, right, right. four of them. Yeah. But, like... And that's the thing is like if you know, if you block well enough, you get your revenge meter up, you can take two people on. I've taken out three people, one one versus three a few times. I have not won a one versus four fight, <laughs> although I have seen a couple videos of people doing that, which yeah. is impressive. Um, matchmaking in this game seems garbage. Oh, it's it's all over I've been matched with people that like one time it was like all my whole team, we were all like level like fifteen or so. We all had like level fifteen to twenty ish gear, and the other team was all people who had prestiged at least once and everyone had gear in like the 60 range. Yeah. And we were just steaming. I've also
0: been on the other side where I'm on the team that's way overpowered. Like it just doesn't seem like it. By the way, I was like, running
1: into people who triple prestiged by Thursday. Like How's
0: that even possible? 48
1: hours. I mean, the, the level cap is not too high it's per character. It's 30, right? It's 30, yeah. I think. Um, but still. That's insane.
2: Come on. <laughs> like, and
1: you still, did you whoop their ass? <laughs> Um, no, because they uh, had, no, they had a, uh, A, they were playing one of the, the one I was matched up against, uh, had the, had the character, one of the characters I'm bad against, which is the, the samurai character with the spear. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's, kinda awesome. Yeah, really. yeah. But this particular player had a poison spear. Uh, and, um, I hate poison in video games. So Every even, even game. you know, one hit and I was still trying to fend her off and eventually the poison just wore me down to the point that I couldn't fight her anymore and that was over. And I never... but We got matched up, I think, two of the three rounds and I didn't even, didn't even take half her life off. Like, it wasn't even close.
0: The last thing I want to talk about with this is the game as a platform and the loot and Mm -hmm. the loot boxes
1: and everything like that. Matt, do you feel like this is a pay-to-win game? Um, A little bit. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, the the, the equipment you get is not active in a lot of some of the matches, so it's not like you can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, But I do feel like they don't, you know... I've been playing forever, and the best equipment I've gotten out of match drops has been, uh, like, level two or three. Yeah. Um, you, have to, you have to use the packs you spend the silver on to get anything of note. Right. right. And then even when you do, it's like, you know, the the, 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 the gear balance is like, oh, it's like, it's like we're going to boost one stat, we're going to suck out the other stat. And, like, if you get, you know, I've got a couple of things out of crate, because you do get awarded cr- the premium crates through playing the campaign. Yeah, and stuff. you do, yeah. But like I've always, you know, I'm like, oh, cool, level ten thing. Like, they're like, oh, the level ten thing is exactly the opposite of the stats I would want to use. Right, so it's right. useless to me. Yeah. And there's not really anything else you can do with it. Uh, you can break them down and get, you know, salvage for that character. But I don't know what that does. I feel like it's well, you really. You built your own weapons and everything, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just like I feel like it's bad at explaining. I'd agree things. with
0: that. Well, the menus are a disaster. The menus are hard to navigate, yeah. hard to understand.
1: Like, and, like, there's, like are there, there's a little, uh, the secondary number with the, like, the laurel wreath thing on it next to your names in the multiplayer face-off screen. I'm yeah. like, what the hell is that? And I had to go back and Oh, it's the gear number, right. right? But it's like, at no point does it really tell you It that, does. It you does, does you know? a like, terrible job of explaining. And, like, does Mostly. it even matter? I guess, sort of? I don't, you know, it matters when you're up against someone with a poison spear, but, yeah. like, Otherwise, I haven't really noticed a huge difference between, you know, people with gear of, like, you know, 30 and people with gear of 15. I guess it depends what, you're, what what kind of effects you get on something. But I just, you know, it, the, the campaign so far has done a decent job of taking you through the various gameplay elements, but uh, I feel it like... teach you how to use all I, the perks. Yeah, but I feel like the meta of, you know, the forging and the scavenging and the, and the, and the, and the, and the parts and the lady is, um... <laughs> I just don't think they explain that properly, or if they do, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Yeah. I, uh, so, Matt, who would you recommend this game to? Fighting game players.
0: I agree. That's exactly. like, I think people looking at this game as like, "Hey, this is a hack and slash action Dynasty adventure." Warriors. No, it's not. Oh. And uh, I think people who are looking for that will be disappointed with the game. Yeah. However, I think people who like fighting games or people who are fans of chivalry, yeah. I feel
1: like there's kind of a, a like similar. In-depth combat. Is, here's the thing. If you don't fall in love with this combat system, there's nothing here for you. There is really not. There's yeah. nothing else. Like that's all this game is. But I think a lot of people system. will. Though. And it's I mean, I love it. I think it's a great combat system yeah. and I'm really having fun. I don't know if I'll play it for the rest of the year or anything, but like yeah. I'm having a really good time and it's a it's a fun, you know, I wish it loaded faster. You're totally right that like, you know, I like the duels a lot because they're like a one-on-one fighting game, yeah. but like you're right. I've had matches where like the load times between the ma- the rounds was longer than the rounds. Yeah. Um, and they're not even really long load times, but like this stuff can end quick oh, if, yeah. if you screw up. Yeah. Or if somebody else screws up, and yeah. you finish them off really fast. And um, or or if uh, or if you're a jerk like me and you just lure people to the sides of things and just push Damn. them, throw them yeah. off the edge. <laughs> Um, but, uh, oh, people get so mad. Like, but, like, and so do I. I mean, they do, there was one guy where they kept starting us on this bridge, and we both knew what we were trying to do, and we right. were just like, mm, <laughs> mm, mm. and every once while, I like I also like it. Like every once in a while, you run into somebody who, like you know, before you start, they like do the salute kind of emote thing. Right. Like, oh yeah, okay, we're gonna be buddies. Cool. Yeah. And like sometimes you get that, and I've I've had a lot of fun playing um, the the there's the two v two brawl against like, yep. the AI. You'll find yeah. somebody that's pretty good and play against them, and like you know, I, I played with the same person on that for like an hour once, and like it was a lot of fun. I feel like the more I play it,
0: the more I like it. One. Mm. And the more defensive everything gets. Yeah. I feel like once you start getting up into the higher levels, like, every, the people you play are very cautious. And yes. I'm very cautious. Like, there's a lot of time where you're just in guard, just mm-hmm. circling each other, just trying to find that one opening or trying yep. to time it right so you can jump in. Um, it's an intense game,
1: when you mm. play it online, and I, once you and get, I like, like that about it. Like you were saying, like, you know, whoever gets the first shot in basically wins. Once you learn how the combat really works, that's not true anymore. And, no, in, fact, right. and in fact, that's part of that feeling out process, is trying to figure out... Is, especially, like, you know, it's a per-person mind game even. Is it more advantageous for me to attack first, or let this person, you know, come at me first and then capitalize on their screw-ups? Yeah. Um, which is, again, very similar to fighting games. It is, and, yeah. uh, You know, this is not a jump in and instantly play it, instantly be good thing. This is something, like, you're going to want to be able to focus on it and care about it and get into it. And that's just not going to happen for everyone. Or maybe, I I would maybe even say for most people. Yeah. You know, this is not what we're used to. And I applaud, you know, I applaud them for doing this. On paper, this game makes no damn sense. It really doesn't. Like, the (laughs) fact that this game got made is insane. It is, yeah. Like, it's such a, I mean, it's... It's almost fetishistic. Yeah. And, so, and that's the other, and I think, well, who was it? I remember it was Rock, Paper, Scissors, or Rock, rock Paper, Shotgun, or, or some, but some review basically said there is, no, or maybe it was Polygon, but they said there is not a trace of irony in this game. No, huh? At all. And there isn't. Like, no. there is no winking at the audience whatsoever nope. how it ridiculous this it is at all. Straight, no, it's just yeah. like, nope. <laughs> there are three factions that should never have faced each other, and we are and just going it. for yeah. it. <laughs>
0: Would you recommend this game for 60 bucks
1: even if someone who's a big fighting game fan? I don't regret paying it, but I would highly highly recommend trying it first. Yeah, I don't um, know if there And like really, if, I mean, there were enough open beta periods that you probably could have had a chance to do that. Um, they had if, like 6 million people in the open beta or whatever, yeah. so. I mean, if you, but it. if you're just curious, I mean, I think most people have, you know, that are curious have played the beta and know what they Will, are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just sort of curious about, oh, that looks kind of neat, like I wouldn't really jump in for 60 bucks right now. Because it's just one of those things where it's like if, if the, the core gameplay doesn't hook you, there's nothing else left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the very, least, if, at too, the very least, at the very least, buy a physical copy so you can trade it back in.
0: Yeah, I would also say that anyone who is looking to buy this game just for the campaign, no, no don't, no, no, do, no. It. No, don't no. do it. Don't um, do it.
1: I'm very glad that I've gotten sucked into the multiplayer, which is unusual for me. Yeah, if you're um, not
0: interested in playing online, because, yeah, do not nothing. buy this, this yeah. game. This yeah.
1: is, uh, I mean, or like buy it for five bucks. A L- year player, from like now or whatever. Or yeah, yeah. Uh, When this next one comes out. And, and This game may be still going two years from now. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I was I was thinking about like what if they're, you know, obviously they're adding more heroes as part of the season uh-huh. pass or whatever. Um, I also feel like the se- if you buy the season pass and all that stuff, I feel like you don't get enough stuff in terms of like feeling like i mean i didn't do that but I, like in terms of buying the season pass i feel like they should give you more loot kind of yeah, yeah. you know well this may be the first ever season
0: pass where i don't give a squat about story DLC. true true <laughs> every other game everyone always complains when well, we get story dlc who? Yeah, I, I don't need
1: any more not this I'm one okay, i'm like no. oh i'm all good like <laughs> no, you're, you're good. just 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 stop Put the pen down but you like, know what they'll
0: gonna, end up doing is eventually i think they'll probably end up creating a fourth faction yeah, I and think they'll so. throw in and then i was trying to a think of like, for that i was
1: trying to think of who the fourth faction would be ninjas well there's already ninjas in the i same guess right yeah thing. it'd have to be a totally different like i was kind of thinking gangsters like well yeah Now <laughs> i was thinking like my my two picks would probably be either like an like a like an indian uh, like, like a like a you know as in from india yeah not, not american native uh indian um like some kind of warrior from there or um spetsnaz no <laughs> this is this i mean is a, isn't this, this game a, really like deadliest warrior like a good version of deadliest warrior only in melee i mean spetsnaz would not use swords so that would be a problem yeah you're right i think you're sticking to the medieval or you could give
0: him a baton or something
1: I would, I mean, I would think, you know, India is a good, pl- look, good these, place. Because, look, these people or, um, together make no
0: sense whatsoever.
1: Well, yeah, but, like, you got you, you can't have people with machine guns in this game. Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, no. Like, it just breaks the combat. <laughs> um, and also, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, you're taking a lot of hits from swords and stuff. But, like, yeah. it's just, I don't, I don't think this game ever needs modern warriors in it. Uh, I would also be interested to see, like, Aztec. Like, some yeah. kind of, you know, if they can extrapolate. I don't know if there's any, you can extrapolate something historically accurate out of that. And uh, I'd also like to see like uh, like, like uh, you know Zulu, like some kind yeah. of like, like African. Yeah, Mongolians.
2: I
0: mean, there's a lot of things. Well, that the problem they can
1: add with to Mon- this. the Mon- like Mongols would be cool, but the problem with Mongols is all their their combats is based on horses, right? And like you can't really add horses to this game. I don't think. I don't know I, I think that would be a funny cut scene, though where suddenly like the go- wh- whoever's doing this cataclysm shit just drops a bunch of horses yeah yeah and like now everybody has to fight over horses because yeah. they would like that would be that suddenly the most valuable resource in, would, the, in that weird sure. world they're stuck in for a thousand years i mean
0: there are horses in this game though Matt. yeah in the campaign there are sections where you ride a horse
1: and you fight on on horseback yeah but not in a multiplayer yeah but I'm just saying, they it's already it. a part yeah. of the canon. And- I mean, maybe that, that could be true. There could be like a cavalry uh, m- multiplayer mode they might Set add. Set up a separate something. mode yeah. where you ride horses, which would be a terrible idea. I yeah, think. I don't <laughs> see that being quite as... Cause- the, the the deliberateness of the of the game is sort of like the real appeal of how the comics. system it is, and if you're yeah. just like slashing at people on a horse it becomes well it was really stupid. dumb
0: in the campaign yeah i mean i'm
1: assuming you've I've, played through it already i haven't gotten Oh, you haven't? Part, yeah. it's really dumb so yeah it's, it would be a terrible idea is that that's like the end of the night stuff more it's or? the end of the second campaign section oh so the vikings yeah right. yeah i haven't started the vikings yet because it was like once you get through the first part you're sort of like
0: Nah. Hmm. <laughs> do I like, really need to do it's that? It's like that, you know.
1: Every once in a while, you have that thing in a game where you finish like a big section of something, and you're like, eh, hey, okay, I'm, I'm done." And it doesn't really incentivize you to play <sighs> it either because you yeah.
0: level up as you play the campaign, but that There's has no effect with, yeah, on you get your not, multiplayer. Like, like, I don't
1: think you even get like emblems or anything on a multiplayer, do you? I don't know. You got maybe like some. You get emblems as you play the
0: campaign. I don't know if they transfer over to multiplayer though, because I said an I emblem, and must, just, I just don't, don't even know. care
1: about that stuff. Yeah, I know. I stuck Assassin's Creed emblems all over my guy just to piss people off. Take that historically accurate. Uh, it has a lot more in common with
0: Assassin's Creed than I ever thought it was going to. Having mm. played through the campaign, I was like, "This is kind of
1: like Assassin's Creed." I mean, in the design of how they throw stuff at you. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's like, I think it's just sort of like the template they decided to use when somebody decided that this game needed a campaign. Um, all linear, by the way. We didn't mention that. It's all oh, yeah, linear. No, You're going yeah. down
0: a cattle chute. There's no open world. they're discrete levels. You finish it, a
1: level, you start the next one. Well, it's even a misleading. At, the, at first, you see this big map and you've got, like, you know... Chapter 1, Knights. Chapter 2, Vikings. Chapter 3, Samurai. And you can even select them, but you can't actually press the button right. on the other. You have to play through it linearly because yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to break the carefully constructed narrative. Good
0: job, Sam. Bringing it up yeah. right on cue. Yeah, you can't also select, like, the individual, like, checkpoint sections in between those no. or anything like that. So. And they do
1: want you to go back through and get all these weird collectibles, um, which is, like, there's two types Again, of pointless. There's two types of collectibles in the game, uh, observables and breakables. And breakables means you smash the same pots every time and pick up a piece of steel. Yeah. And observables are you look at things in the level. Yeah. Like, you'll see a little, a little like, eyeball thing, and you press L1. And a little voiceover on like, fire Yeah, off. you get a little voiceover about what that is, and yeah. that's what it, like, it's... So dumb. Like, yeah. that's their idea for, you know, longevity <laughs> of the campaign. It's like, oh, you want to go back and... Get all those look at all the Look at all the things. Yeah. It's like, mm, <laughs> Kind of did that already. Not with that load time, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, so... You can't give me enough load time to think about what I'm doing. That's yeah. really the, the key here. I
0: think this is one of those games that's kind of hard to figure out whether you should recommend it to somebody. I agree with you. I think you probably probably need to give it a spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe go to Redbox and rent it for a few days. Yeah. The other thing I would say, too, is that, and I said this last week, is it's easy to brush it off at first and say, oh, this is crap or this is janky or whatever. But the more you play it and the better you get at
1: it, at least in my opinion, the more you enjoy it. Right. So, oh, and the other thing that I didn't realize until uh, last night when I accidentally picked one. You don't have to recruit the other characters to use them Right Like you only have to recruit them to customize them yeah. Like you can still pick them yeah. And play like the default one And see how you like about it Feel yeah. about them before you spend 500 metal or steel or whatever it is on them Right Which I totally did not understand from just looking at the selection screen Again, the UI, the menus very very yeah, terrible Very, very subpar in that regard
0: Yep Alright, let's move on We're going to talk about, undoubtedly, what was the biggest story in the video game industry this week. It certainly generated the most discussion on Sifted throughout the week. Um, It's been an ongoing saga. Mm -hmm. So, PewDiePie. um, We've talked about PewDiePie a million times on the show. He is the world's biggest YouTuber, without a doubt. World's biggest, maybe, influencer in games, period. That phrase, influencer or whatever. Um, So, it all started out with PewDiePie basically getting dropped by Disney. Um, Disney owns this digital studio called Maker Studios. Uh, uh, we, we've known people who have worked at Maker here in LA. They're, one of their big offices is located here in LA. Um, and Maker decided to cut its ties because the Wall Street Journal, which for a really long time was a reputable newspaper and um, generally something people could rely on to report the truth. Uh, ran a story about him and went through all his videos that he had, he had done through the years and found several instances of anti-Semitic comments, uh, jokes and gags. Um, the story had said it had found nine instances of it throughout his career on YouTube. He actually retorted that there were ten, yeah. <laughs> that they had missed one. Um, I want
1: to know who they made watch all those to find those at the Wall Street. I, I, I'm assuming the writer did it. Writer, maybe, but I don't know if they have I guess Dude, that is so much news, content Newspapers don't have interns anymore, maybe. I don't, I don't know what, what print is like. I'm anymore. sure they had an editorial assistant or yeah.
0: an intern just going through. Or maybe there's some, the, the intern is already a huge fan of PewDiePie. I mean, it's very mm. possible. You figure they're a college-age kid. True, true. That's kind of his, his age range. So you're right. The amount of work that they went through to create this story, to watch all his... I mean, there are just thousands of videos from him. To watch all of those and find these nine instances of him saying basically trying to crack off color jokes. Mm-hmm. And I say trying to because he's not very good at it. No. He, he's
1: not a great By com- his own admission. Right. As well. I mean, he, I he mean, says he's a rookie comedian. Calls himself a rookie comedian. Uh, it should be noted, it's like, look, man, like, if you're a rookie magician, you don't start by catching a bullet in your teeth, right, which yeah. is probably the, you know, Nazi <laughs> so that humor. That is a is, good analogy. Nazi yeah. humor is probably the, equivalent, the comedy equivalent of trying to catch a bullet in your teeth.
0: Yeah. That's something that someone who's honed their craft over a couple decades may finally get brave enough to tackle, mm-hmm. not someone who self admittedly calls himself a rookie comedian. So Wall Street Journal goes, collects all these little clips of him making off-color jokes, runs a story... The problem with the Wall Street Journal is it's a subscription site, so a lot of people weren't actually able to read the full article that they wrote, but it did put up sort of a video version, a shortened, an abridged video version of the story uh, up on its site that everybody could watch. And after further investigation, it's discovered that the Wall Street Journal was pretty shady in how it put together that video. Um, It had taken several of his jokes out of context, it even kind of edited parts of them um, to make it to steer it more towards its point of view towards Pewdiepie, um, not all of them, mind you, mm. you know, of the nine or 10 gags around I think ultimately around half of them ended up being kind of manipulated a little bit little bit by The Wall Street Journal. And everybody seems to be get, getting hung up on those four or five instances of manipulation and completely ignoring
1: the rest, mm. and ignoring the fact that, yeah, they manipulated those four or five. But well, By manipulated, you mean edited. Edited. You mean, you mean like everyone does for any news video story. Yeah, these, like look, uses- these, these were a little more egregious than that though, I think. Like, the I, way they, they edited it. But, but I, I, can see, I can see two things on the way that video is cut. A, they're like, well, we, we showed larger clips of some of the other instances. These are just to like, kind of bolster the idea that there are others that existed and be the editor of that just being like ah nobody gives a shit like like that's part of the things i don't that would
0: be really dumb if they thought nobody gives a it would be but at shit. the
1: same time i don't know if like you know the wall street journal fully you know the wall street journal is a reputable 127 year old publication that leans real right that's the irony add. here so um and like so people i can are... see them i can see that paper not fully understanding what kind of fire they were playing with with this guy well here's the that's that kind of the irony of the whole thing is that a lot of people, and some people on SIFTED, which I
0: have to admit I was a little surprised about, were taking that whole anti-social justice warrior angle and saying, this is because of the social justice warriors, everyone having to be politically correct. Ah, yes,
1: well, well-known well social justice liberal rag, the Wall Street Journal.
0: Yeah, and the irony is the Wall Street <laughs> Journal is a right-leaning publication. Real right Real right-leaning. Most, Most of the time. Right-leaning. the time. Yeah, and so it's actually what started this whole firestorm, mm-hmm. not social justice warriors. They didn't do anything.
1: Now... One thing you could say is and the that the Disney thing came about because the Wall Street Journal asked them for comment and they didn't comment, but then they fired him. Well, I'm guess ge- here's what here's what I'm
0: guessing is that whoever manages PewDiePie at Maker Studios was not keeping a close enough eye on him and was just well, why like, would you? right, he's our cash cow, he's our money maker, he's the best thing we got going, he's the so best why, thing we got know,
1: going. Probably didn't want to censor him. As much and, as he, you know, a lot of the, the the Nazi jokes he's made have been in response to whining, basically, about YouTube being oppressive. Right. Which I find difficult to believe YouTube does anything to their biggest right. person. like I mean, I don't know what, what their internal relationship is like. And so I'm
0: guessing whoever managed PewDiePie at Maker Studios is probably looking for a job. Because he was probably not communicating up the chain to Disney and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I know this is our cash cow here, but here's a few things you might be wanting to keep an eye on because he's kind of... And he admitted it himself that, you know, he, over the last year, has stepped it up. Mm-hmm. And there was a line that he used to get to and wouldn't cross. And over the last year, he's, decide, he's decided to cross that line. And it Maybe appears... why. I think he was just tired of being kind of looked at as a vapid like YouTube personality. He wanted to have a little more meat to
1: his content. Yeah, oh, good job. Yeah, <laughs> and so what um, happened is
0: whoever was managing it's him like if you're the did not if you're the biggest
1: up. in the world at something. Like you're always going to get that your vapid or your right. mainstream like criticism is always going to be. It doesn't matter how big you. I mean, I'm sure yeah. Beyonce gets that too. It's which, like which yeah. is yeah. I, mean, <laughs>
0: I can kind of agree with that, but
1: I mean that was like half the comments on all the Lady Gaga stuff from the Super Bowl. It's like mainstream pop garbage. It's like yeah, well she's still freaking Lady Gaga. It's yeah. like it's like that's just you're going to have to deal with that kind of hater. I think and and maybe maybe not jump straight to the the anti-Semitism as as your go-to punchline yeah. as a result.
0: And so. Uh, Disney was oblivious to this, and yeah. So I think what happened is they see the Wall Street Journal story, and they're like, holy crap, like, has he really been doing this? They watch the clips. They're like, oh, my God, he has been doing this. They probably fire whoever at Baker Studios who should have messaged that up the chain to them, and then they cut PewDiePie. And then YouTube, after that happens, YouTube is like, oh. Because YouTube, I think, was just turning a blind eye to it. Mm. You know, I just think it was like, hey, if there's no problems and no one's complaining about this, let it roll. And once Maker and Disney decided to cut ties, I think YouTube just took a closer look at it. Again, probably watched that video that the Wall Street Journal cut together and said, hey, this is way out of bounds for our brand. And I think what everyone's missing in this is everyone's arguing over the Wall Street Journal manipulating his content, which I agree with. I get it. It's wrong. But it's also completely irrelevant. This story is about PewDiePie being dropped by Disney and by YouTube and the amount of times the Wall Street Journal manipulated his content or the fact that the Wall Street Journal alerted these two companies to the content in the first place is completely irrelevant these brands. Like, do you
1: think Disney didn't look at the videos in question before they made that decision? I mean, I feel like they probably. Well, they probably did. They once probably they, did. Like, yeah. I, once I, they were
0: alerted. I feel like to your it.
1: your biggest star. You probably you know look at the actual video instead of just trusting the Wall Street oh, yeah, Journal. yeah, once, on but that. it
0: did look. The Wall Street Journal did tip them off. Yeah. Which there's... so what?
1: Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't.
0: It's ir- again, it's irrelevant. What matters in this? Very similar
1: to the whole like oh the the leaks are illegal. It's like right. But so <laughs>
0: it like, doesn't matter. That's we not know, what we're talking now about. Now we know the truth, yeah. right? and so if i feel like people are diverting this story towards freedom of speech which is complete bullshit he can speak he can say whatever he wants it doesn't protect you from the repercussions disney Disney doesn't have to follow the first amendment yeah but most importantly this story is about pewdiepie being dropped from disney and from his youtube red show because the brands don't want to be associated with him anymore it's not they're not limiting his freedom of speech He's putting up videos on... He's probably putting up a video on YouTube right now. It's rendering right now.
1: What are you watching us for? He's putting up a video.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And everyone is just getting so caught up in this, like, anger that they can't look at what the real story is, which is he got dropped because he made off-color jokes that don't align with these two brands. Mm -hmm. And these brands have the right to do whatever the hell they want. They're the ones paying his paycheck. It's like... And if they'd
1: been good jokes... That might not have been an issue. It might have. I, I mean, mean, Mel Brooks makes a lot of Nazi jokes too. Yeah, but, like he's but a, Mel he's Brooks a, is in a movie. Well, of or, course. Like
0: a lot of people were saying, but the, like,
1: but that's the thing. It's like if you look at like the big, no, the big one is is the the thing where he had the two, the guys in the third world country hold a sign up. Yeah. A, oh, that's the deal breaker. But what's and once the, that but happens, what's that, what's nothing the joke? else
0: matters. There's no joke. It's that's, just him being crass and like it's just the lowest hanging fruit possible. Mm. And I just feel like people are getting diverted over and they're like they're, it's like a lot of what we're seeing with like our president right now it's like hey there's all this bad stuff going on but looky over here and I feel like that's happening with this story it's like they manipulated his content it's like who cares it doesn't matter the bottom line is you go back and look at the content and if you're YouTube or Disney hell yeah like you don't want to be aligned with that crap they are family brands certainly Disney One, more than YouTube
1: followers are children so, they are
0: so. they are and then the other thing I see a lot of people bringing up is like, well, why is it okay for South Park to do it? South Park is not running on Disney. It's South, not running South,
1: on YouTube. South Park also is very, well, moderately good at what they do in terms of creating a structure for the satire to exist in. So you understand that when they have, like, Cartman or whoever do, say and do horrible things like that, the show does not agree with it. And, like... You can see the point of the joke. You can see that the show kind of exists in that middle ground between the two extremes. Whereas like I watched, you know, the the, the instances of PewDiePie doing the thing with the sun. I'm like, and I don't know what the joke is supposed to be. I guess the joke isn't a thing people would find to happen. It offensive wasn't a joke happened. though. He was trying to make a point that he was trying to see how
0: far people would go to make five bucks, basically. This this new service called Fiverr, where you can pay right. people just to do crap. And he was testing the limits of that service. It wasn't a joke. It certainly there, wasn't funny. There are better ways to do. Like, see, That's the thing. Is like why it's like, did, couldn't you just like have somebody put a GoPro in a toilet and take a dump? Like
1: right, that's going farther. Right? It's just it's just one of those things where it's like he's just looking if you're, for you're, attention. Well, that's right, all it is. But your go-to, like you know, use like the go-to thing you used to to make that observation with the fiber thing was an anti-semitic like like you could do what? anything like that I you know. could do any other why did sentence he choose why use that because it causes because reactions. he's an
0: attention whore and he cares about attention that's how he built his business doing outrageous stuff that people are like oh my god did you see this guy subscribe 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 but it, just, it
1: just reminds me of the thing where like you get you, you know like, like you know he's a 50 what 50 some million 53 subscribers. million subscribers yeah. uh it's like where you see people are like like you've got like you know people who are billionaires who like won't like tip on like a 30 dollar meal right. kind of thing and you're yeah. like why? Like what, yeah. like, what in the world is left for you to acquire that you won't, you know, do, it's, it's one of those things, like, like, if you are the number one YouTuber, how are you still that hungry for, you know, that attention. kind of attention? Like, you have that's all what, the that's attention. What,
0: that's what a narcissist does, though. They, they, the amount of attention they get.
1: You think Peter is a narcissist? Who? PewDiePie. Do you think is a yeah, narcissist? Yeah, oh, definitely. I don't know enough about... I'm, I've watched maybe five minutes of his videos, most look, of which have been in response to this story. Look, a lot of people have narcissistic tendencies. Right. I have a
0: lot of friends who are narcissists, and I love them to death. Like, they're great people. And he certainly... I don't think he's, like, a uh, sociopath. Right. Like, there's levels of it. It's But, yeah, he's narcissistic. He wants attention. That's why he does this. He needs... It's a part of his business model. He and needs I to be successful. I also don't
1: think he's a Nazi. I don't I've either. From, I mean, he's like, not a
0: Nazi. I don't think he's anti-Semitic either. Again, no, but again, not. that's completely irrelevant to this right. whole topic. It's all about why did he get dropped by Disney and YouTube. Everything else is pretty much irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to the South Park uh, thing that people brought up, it's like it's about the brand. Again, if you're talking about why did he lose his job, and you're trying to say, well, what about South Park? South Park is on Comedy Central. Comedy Central, after 10 p.m., allows the F-bomb and allows naked boobs. Like, South Park aligns with that brand. So Comedy Central's like, jump in. You're just yeah. like us. It doesn't work that way when you're talking about family brands like Disney. It just doesn't.
1: And, and hell, the guys who make South Park are frustrated to the point. I don't know if you've seen, like, there's people that, say, that have said, there's no proof of it, but they've said that South Park right now has started to do, the, you know, for the last few seasons, they've been like, we keep going further and expect them to cancel us, and they don't do it.
0: South Park's like, last season was terrible. I, I didn't even watching it. I haven't watching. watched it
1: in a long, long time. Um, just because it's like, it feels very... Yes, they do have a very set and, and, and identifiable structure to their satire, but the structure is so obvious now that like, you kind of know where it's going most of the yeah. time. Although I do enjoy the member Barry joke this season. Yeah. Well, at the end of it all, what has really
0: happened here? Nothing, really, because PewDiePie mm-hmm. is still going to make $7 million a year. Maybe he makes $6.5 million instead of $7 million a year. No one's going to unsubscribe to his channel. He's managed to make himself look like a martyr, which is completely ridiculous, and people are just jumping on like, like it's a bandwagon. Nothing's changed. His life's not going to change. He's still filthy rich. He's going to continue to build his wealth. I think he has more subscribers after He probably added 5 million people because people wanted to jump on the, like, oh, F the media, F the mainstream media. What is it, the MSM? Like, it's turning, like, an Mm. acronym now. It's like, if it wasn't for the mainstream media, we would all get played. So it's very easy to hate on the mainstream media, but thank God they're out there actually doing their due justice. I'm sure Disney is very happy for that Wall Street Journal article because, obviously... The people we hit at under its employ were asleep at the wheel and weren't paying attention to what's going on. So, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, there's all these threads went back and forth on Sifted, and here we are talking about it on Game Face. But it really doesn't mean anything. Nothing's going to change. PewDiePie's not going away. He's not getting censored. His freedom of speech, right, have not been infringed upon. Nothing's happened. He's just going to make a little bit less money off of those other deals he had, but he will probably make more off of his YouTube channel ultimately because of this. So, I just feel like it's this huge dust up. I've seen every... Well, it's also like,
1: I, like it just you look at that situation and it's like, yeah, if you're going to work for Disney or any major more media conglomerate, really, you've got to toe a certain line. Unless you are specifically assigned to break those boundaries like South Park is. But, um, yeah, like, you're not going to... I mean, not, Disney hasn't really traded in that kind of imagery since their 40s propaganda films. Right. So... Uh, and let's not forget
0: either that Walt Disney has a nefarious
1: history. Certainly controversial in that regard. I don't, I don't know if there's any substantial basis for it. I think that
0: depends on who you talk to. Definitely. But there, he's not squeaky clean in the past. Like, Nobody is. Right. I, I mean, I can't say that I've ever hung around with Nazi sympathizers. I mean, I think there's no, a certain but- line that you can draw there, but...
1: I don't know if Walt was a Nazi sympathizer. Uh, no, I didn't say he
0: was. I said he associated with them in
1: back then. In a legend. You, if you had any, if you went to a dinner with Henry Ford, you were associated with Nazi <laughs> sympathizers in the thirties. Yeah. I mean, yeah. was, it's just it was a you know. I think what, it took, what a, it took a me, while before people woke up. What bothers me what the happening. most about this is
0: that we're starting to see all the fake news bullshit that we're getting in politics coming over to the game space. And it's mm-hmm. bullshit. Like, it. I don't want to get to a place where, with games where it's like no one accepts anything as the truth anymore, like they're doing with politics right now. Like, it's just. It's insane.
1: Like, I, it's so funny. Like, well, especially whole, when you have, like, clear cut examples of times when the people weren't being. You know, I mean, it's, it's not. not it, look, this isn't right, fake. PewDiePie did right. this shit. Fake news does not mean. Uh, you know, fake news means something didn't happen was fabricated by the outlet. It doesn't mean that like you disagree with it or it's something you don't like. like. Right. And that's what the terms mean. It's like it's like fake you know, maybe fake it's not news because it wasn't it was marketing, not news, but like No Man's Sky has multiplayer. That yeah. was false. Right. That was that was fake. News in the form of marketing—you know—that yeah. was a thing that did not exist that we were told existed, but it really didn't. But That's this is not, this is not like, the same thing. Have... Reporting, reporting on something you don't think is important is not fake news. It's just Kotaku. Right. <laughs> That's your opinion. I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that poll.
0: I'm sure there's other people who may agree with you, but it's like you look at it and it's like it's kind of the same thing because we have PewDiePie on camera doing and saying exactly what he got fired for. And yeah, the Wall Street Journal cut it up a little bit. Whatever. The bottom line is you go back did and Did you read you... the full text article?
1: I did, yeah. Because I didn't bother to figure out how to get into the subscription. Some people people like,
0: like, like, hacked it and it was uploaded. I remember
1: and... the days when like uh, almost every like you know login, whatever, subscription thing, like you could just type in gamers, gamers, as yeah. user and password, right. and get in. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, must have, they must have caught on to that one <laughs> at some
0: point. But you, look, you have these cases where PewDiePie's on camera saying this stuff. And people are like, oh, well, five of them. Who cares? Like, they were, if, if you want to say there were five that were replayed, there's four that weren't. Like, there's four instances of him doing this on camera. And you have these people who are trying to say, oh, it didn't happen. It's just like with Donald Trump. Like, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. And then you can watch a video of him saying it or doing that. And it is just, it's insanity. It is insanity. And I don't want to see this coming over into the games industry. Like, It was funny, like, with the whole fake news things, one of the jokes I cracked on Facebook was like, okay, like, if this is the way things are, the Patriots didn't really beat the Steelers. The Steelers beat the Patriots. So the Patriots are going—I mean, I watched it on TV. I saw it on camera, but that doesn't mean anything, right? It's fake news. The Steelers won. Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. Like, that's how absurd Mm -hmm. this is. And to see it coming into games, I think, is a travesty. And I hope it just stops here and it's gone. We'll see. Good luck with that. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Nintendo Switch, Matt, two weeks away. Two weeks. I got an email from Nintendo yesterday. And Nintendo, when they go to ship you something, they'll uh. send you an email with, like, your FedEx tracking number in it. And it'll have, like, um, the weight of the package. And usually it's, an ou- or like, five ounces or eight. I got an email yesterday. The package weighs five pounds. So...
1: Hmm. I believe... That's a really big Mario statue. (laughs) I
0: believe that a... A box full of amiibos. I believe that a Nintendo Switch is on its way to me for delivery on Monday.
1: It's going to be five pounds of pictures of Reggie flipping you off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what's coming in the package. I don't know if they're sending me any games. I hope I'm not like the guy who got the one sent to him early and has nothing to play with it. But I think I'm getting it on Monday. Uh, Sifters, if I do get it on Monday, I'm sure there's going to be crazy embargoes around this stuff. Like, Nintendo Europe already sent out the Switch to European journalists, and they were only allowed to show the box. Hmm. Even though this other guy has already
1: put out an unboxing video showing
0: everything inside and everything.
1: Well, Nintendo is not one to do the, uh, oh, someone broke embargo so you all can do it. No. Yeah. No, someone broke embargo, so we're going to send our ninjas and kill him. Yeah. And you guys just stay where you are.
0: Yeah. Like, so we. At bottom line is, it, I'm getting it on Monday. I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do. I think I'm getting it Monday. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do with it. If I can do anything, I will do it on Monday. So stay Monday, tuned. A holiday. It is. It's President's Day. So hmm. I'm assuming FedEx is delivering. It says for Monday delivery. So yeah. I wish FedEx delivered on the weekend. It means I would have got it today. Mm. But no. So you could be
1: sitting right here, and we couldn't touch
0: it. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Look at the box. Look at the box. <laughs> but uh, so stay tuned to the site and I'll obviously, or, or my, my Twitter feed, I'll be letting you guys know exactly what I can and can't do and when I will be doing it. But anyway, we're coming down the home stretch here. There's just two weeks to go. And just want to talk about some of the final things that have been coming out about the hardware right, be- right before we go down the final stretch. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, a lucky gentleman on NeoGAF had, a, right. I don't, the story's still a little murky. Like, I don't know if he has a buddy at a local retailer that he got switched from, or if it was sent from like a major retailer through the mail. He's being kind of cagey and he's trying to protect the retailer, which I totally get, and I totally appreciate. But regardless, they sent him the switch two weeks early, or he got the switch two weeks mm-hmm. early. Uh, Neo Gaff, of course, prodded him along and got him to post this video of the UI. And now he has a switch, he has nothing to do with it.) <laughs> Matt, what struck you about the, uh, the UI in Switch, if anything?
1: Well, it looks a lot like the UI from the last few systems. They love those huge horizontal buttons. Um, I don't know. It's clean. I mean, I guess when you don't have to have any apps, you can make it pretty much just about you know, the settings and the games. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot of... Re- it's very white, I don't yeah. know. I, well, no, you can flip it to black. I think. I think there's an
0: option to turn it dark if like you it's, want to. Like, it's
1: surprisingly plain. I guess would be my main reaction to it. Like, I mean, not that I think it should have like mushrooms everywhere. Or yeah, something, yeah, But like, it's just it's it's uh, very clean. Yeah. Really, no
0: setup for online. No, I, I mean,
1: I think after the Wii U had the you know its entire online infrastructure as a day one update, no one really expected it to be any different. But I mean at least the panels I don't are there know. for the I feel like shop and four stuff. or five years later, maybe it should have been a little different. And <laughs> it should have been I, something maybe Look, I think I think we're gonna you can might as well just take that sound bite you just said and put it on, on the little sound maker machine because you're gonna be saying it <laughs> a lot about this system. Yeah. It really looks like they're making a lot of the same errors. Yeah. Um not that the UI is one of them, but uh
0: yeah, I think the UI is fine. It's yeah. like I don't really need a fancy UI as long as it's quick and functional, and yeah, it get does me look there.
1: fast. Yeah, just get me there, and maybe have it make like less annoying noises than versus did, because um, that was a, that, that was a good way to get me to start a game quick. Though it's like as soon as that thing's up and all, you're like, <laughs> it's, like it's like hearing Yoshi's in the distance all day or something. But um, also notice if you watch right what
0: we just saw there. There's once the. Uh, OS is on the system, obviously it drops down and the yeah. the available space a good bit. But otherwise really unremarkable. Yeah. Nothing all that exciting about it. I mean it's cool to to see it obviously.
1: Interesting the this the the burn in thing there. Uh obviously for uh for the tablet. You think it's for the tablet or you think it's for your TV screen? most TVs don't have any kind of burn in problems these days except Plasmas. Unless, yeah, but nobody makes plasmas anymore. Yeah. Like unless you have legacy TVs like we do, you're not in a burn-in problem situation. So to me, that says, you know, because but the uh, the Vita did have some burn-in issues. So what that, to kind me of that, screen does the tablet have? I don't is know. Is it LCD? Because LCD doesn't burn in? Uh, depends on what kind of screen they're using. I mean, uh, I don't know what kind of screen they're using on this one. Is it? It's. I think it's the whatever that one is. That, like. Who is it that that girl put up that video of like you know her endless quest to find a, a 3ds with two of the good screens? It ips. No, all right, all right, yeah. IPS versus. IPS whatever. is the superior technology. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's, I think it's that is what they're using on this. I I'm might not. I'm not, I'm not I'm, I honestly don't care. Uh, but IPS like the fact gives you that but the range that it's range and right. And I mean, the I know the difference. I just don't know what they're using on the switch. But what what I'm saying is like the fact that there's a screen burn-in prevention thing says to me it's probably for the tablet screen, not your TV. Uh, Which is interesting to me because that was an issue that propped up, cop, cropped up with the Vita uh, fairly often if people were using it for the same thing over and over again. Yeah, um, which I never. It's an mean, OLED Vita, screen. Yeah, Vita had. Uh, I didn't realize
0: OLED would burn in.
1: I uh, neither did I, but I, I've seen tons of videos of people with like you know web browser burn in on their on their Vita. Interesting. Uh, I mean, Vita, my Vita didn't have that problem. Of course, I didn't use it maybe enough to, to know one way or the other. But it also didn't have any you know like they have like that that problem where like there was like black kind of moraine or like ink it was right, right. like ink on the screen yeah. I didn't have any of that either so maybe I just got a good Vita but um, like, it, 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 I think that's an interesting fact that they have, I mean it's good they have it because you know you're acknowledging a potential issue and trying to solve it but it's interesting that that would be a problem again on on a tablet screen because uh, I really don't think it's not a, enough of an issue on modern televisions that you would really really need to include that.
0: Yes, yeah, so you can see data management. Twenty twenty-six gigs left. So is that OS six gigs? Maybe. <laughs> is that that's crazy? Six gig OS?
1: Six gigs for this? I don't know.
0: I mean, there's nothing else on the system, obviously, and it's already down to twenty-six gigs.
1: Yeah. I mean, also you have the formatting for the card or whatever. You lose some to that, but like not six gigs. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter because most people are going to buy a new, you know, card for it anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I see people that are, like, buying, like, you know, 256-gig cards. I'm like, what are you putting on that? <laughs> like, what? I, don't well, think, plan- I don't think Zelda and One Two Switch are going to be that big, really. Well,
0: I mean, look, if they plan on buying everything digitally, they're going to need that and much more. I mean, the 500 gigs that I got on my launch Xbox One and PlayStation 4 now seem completely absurd to me. Oh, yeah, but, like... Like, and I still have those units I have to delete. Every time I go to review a game, I have to delete another game mm-hmm. off
1: my hard drive. Like... What I'm saying is, like, I'm I'm not going to buy a bigger card for this thing until I I'm sure that I'm oh. going to need more than 30 well, gigs. Look,
0: I'll buy all retail anyway. Right. If whatever Nintendo doesn't send me, I will buy like physical copies. But even then, like you still a lot of times have installs from those games. Yeah, like, I don't know how
1: much installing this thing's going to do from like a, from the cards. I mean, the, I mean, one of the main reasons to install is to have quicker access. If right. you're running off cards, you probably don't need that.
0: I mean, it should be lightning
1: quick. Flash yeah. memory. I mean, the, I mean, you're going to be using that internal memory storage for digital games you download, which I don't plan to do much of. Because, because yeah. actually, I, I think the Switch cases are kind of cute. Um, They're PSP cases, basically. Yeah. Same yeah. size. I yeah. like them. I like, I like the way they look. Skinnier. Um, and, uh, and I like cartridge. I like. I mean, I, I don't think going to the cartridge for your new console is really a smart idea here. Yeah. But I, I do like the little cartridges. I like how it feels when you stick a yeah. handheld cartridge. Oh, I like love that, it, too. Right? Um, so, I, so to that. me, the 32 gigs is basically going to be saved. So... You may never fill it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe eventually when they get like a bunch of, if they end up with a bunch of digital only stuff that I think is really cool, exclusive that I want, like maybe I'll do that and and upgrade then. But like for, I'm certainly not buying that, you know, memory expansion card uh, on launch day.
0: Okay. Let's move on to the next one Uh, GameCube on virtual console. Interview with Nintendo this week. Uh, Someone asked someone from Nintendo about a virtual console for GameCube, and based upon what they said, it looks like it's going to happen.
1: Does this matter to you? No, my GameCube's actually still hooked up to the TV.
0: It does matter. Well, it doesn't really matter, actually, because my GameCube has discrete errors. I can't get it to
1: work anymore. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I had had my my launch one did that. The one I have... Now is, I think, my second one.
0: So when I got my GameCube, I was working at GameSpot. And um, shortly after launch, these guys came into GameSpot to visit us. They were called Color Consoles. And what they did was they, like, painted your consoles, like, whatever color you wanted to, wanted mm-hmm. them to. And uh, they said that they would do it for us for free as long as we wrote a story about it so they could get promotion and their business could expand. We are like, okay, so myself, Ryan Davis, Jeff Gerstman ryan mcdonald i think we all gave them our consoles and they took them and uh you could customize Mm. a ton of stuff so i got my my GameCube is forest green metal flake with a blue led light and it has i
1: remember i used to bring that in at tech tv and it has an import the hell is that it has an import switch on the side too so you can play Uh, yeah that's right that's because because you played uh Zelda, Zelda, the import of Wind Waker, and
0: the intern wiped my my yeah. my memory card two fifty six. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Yep. That was great. All the games I had ever played on the GameCube, we told, just the, wiped int- away. We told the intern
1: to leave. Yeah, because i might have to beat him up. Like leave before <laughs> <He's> Shane realizes <laughs> what happened.
0: So anyway, so they, that's what I got. I got like green with a b- blue LED, and everyone else got their color combinations or whatever. And then like six months later, it just stopped reading. And the other part of it too is that they literally spray painted the consoles. Like, when they came back in the box and we opened it up, we literally almost just all passed out from the the spray paint fumes that came out of the box. So, I think that may have Mm -hmm. screwed up, like, the internals on my GameCube. That could have been, yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: just, I keep it. But you
0: don't need it, because if you have a Wii, you can just plop your GameCube disc in there and you can play Yeah, it looks
1: like shit. Yeah, the GameCube displays the GameCube games vastly better than the Wii, especially that's, if you have what, like if you have the component cable. Yeah. It's, it's night and day difference. It's not even close. like yeah. the, the the Wii puts out such a fuzzy image. It really does. quality yeah. on, on the GameCube games that I because the GameCube games are the things I was playing more. And once I was able to play Dolphin stuff with the, my Wii library, I just took the I put the Wii in a drawer and I put the GameCube hook the GameCube back up, and that's basically what I play Rogue later on. Pod is asking how do you wipe a memory card by accident? So. Well, you don't know Japanese.
0: Yeah, so we had, and... we had flipped the Switch and we were playing a Japanese game. It was, was it Ocarina of Time Master? I think it was, from was Japan. It? They had put out the demo of the, what was that version of Ocarina of Time that was remixed? It was called the Master, Master Quest. Master Quest, yeah. that's what it was. Okay. And uh, one of our interns was going to capture footage from it. He didn't know Japanese. And when it popped up, he had put my U.S. memory card in there. And mm. so it asked if he wanted to, to format, format the it. memory card. Yeah. He didn't know Japanese, and instead of selecting no, he selected yes, and gone. all gone. So that's, that's how it happened. But um, So GameCube to you on virtual Console is a big deal. You think the display quality will be better when it's running straight through the hardware versus...
1: Turly, right, uh, I promise you, the weed is not output as good video, video quality of the GameCube games. It does not do it right compare metroid prime side by side it is very noticeable at least to me yeah the, the, i'd agree with you the game because the, the wii doesn't puts out a 40p signal but it does not put it out digitally and the game and the com- digital component cables on the gamecube are better image quality
0: oh those component cables are like that thick yeah they're also worth like 300 yeah because on no one's ever right figured right out how to duplicate them. <laughs> yeah yeah uh so to you it is a big deal gamecube on virtual console um to me, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I do agree with you that the display quality coming out of the Wii isn't as good as what comes out of a the OG GameCube, mm-hmm. but it's good enough.
1: It's like it's good enough. But like, if you have the GameCube with the digital out, I, I, that's what I use because I don't yeah. care about I don't I care about GameCube games way more than I care about the Wii games for the most part. And the few Wii games that I do care about, you know, I can play them. Uh, I can put my discs in, or I already rip most of the discs and I use them on, on Dolphin. Yeah, um, Dolphin's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, it's just it, it's just, I mean that's that's the only way to play Super Mario Galaxy. I, I mean that's actually one of the things I hope the Switch does is I hope they kind of you know put maybe put some Wii games on there. That and the and the Wii U does this to some degree, but it's like just something that that because the Wii's image quality is terrible. Yeah, it's, it it's, is. It's, it's it really not is. Not just in the sense like oh 480p versus 720p or whatever the other kind It's just it's just fuzzy it and really bad is. even washed for out. that resolution. The colors are yeah. all washed out. Yeah, and like I just hope that they kind of maybe you know put some Wii games on the Switch. Uh, and take advantage of the switch's higher higher quality you know output to make these things look the way they, they can because you I mean that's the tragedy of the Wii to me is like you you know seeing people at the early days of Dolphin run like Super Mario Galaxy through the Dolphin and you look at it, you're like that's gorgeous yeah that just looks amazing oh, unreal, they, you don't even yeah. need to do anything to it no. you just run it through it, something <laughs> that runs it at a decent resolution with decent image quality filters and it looks and amazing. color yeah. yeah
0: it makes a big difference. Um, so you're a little more excited about GameCube and Virtual Console. I'm kind of indifferent.
1: I mean, I'm not too excited about what ridiculous p- p- price they're going to. Ch- I mean, what are they going to be like, twenty bucks? They haven't said Fifteen it. bucks? Yeah, yeah. Of course yeah. they haven't said We don't know anything about this yeah. thing. I mean, I don't. I, we don't even know if Virtual Console is going to be in place at launch. Well, one thing I will say, and they'll
0: segue nicely into the next topic, is that the eShop is now linked to your Nintendo account instead of linked to your console. Finally,
1: is that different from the Wii U? Yes. Yeah, like so. What does that mean? Does that mean? Does that, it, does that mean you? Basically, you're not going to have to keep buying
0: Nintendo games over and over again anymore. But you don't. Have Presumably, to, they'll do this with every system
1: going forward. Well they, so, but you didn't do that on the Wii U. That's what I'm asking. Is like, is like the Wii when you transferred the Wii, you know, your Wii account to the Wii U. All your purchase, digital purchases from the Wii came with it. You just had the, the fee came in a sense like you had to pay like a dollar per money. game yeah. to run it in the Wii U environment, but you can still run it in the Wii emulation environment. My you still question: had to pay. the problem with the with the, the the account linking on on Nintendo is that it can only be activated on one piece of hardware at a time. Like I can't log in in my account to two different 3DSs my account is tied to my 3DS if I lose that 3DS it's not about losing the games. You have to contact Nintendo. Yeah it's not about losing the games, it's about the fact that I can't log, I can't sign in on that account on another 3DS unless I have the old 3DS there to purge the account from for yeah. some reason, yeah. like I don't know. That's my question about this. Is, is well, no,
0: you're right. That is going away as well.
1: Is that going away? Yeah,
0: it, you, your account is going to be this standalone thing that presumably, for the end of time, will transfer onto mm. Nintendo's hardware. And I mean, that would make sense
1: in the in the sense that they've said that you can have eight eight accounts on one Switch. Yeah. Um, it would be, it would suck if all eight of those accounts were stuck on that switch forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, you can't make any assumptions with Nintendo really in, term, in terms of user Until you experience. You actually see it with your own yeah. eyes, yeah. But uh, I mean, that's good news. Uh, yeah, I think it's great news. I'd like it's to... the best news,
0: probably, about the switch since we saw it for the first time. Although, to be
1: fair, like if you, you know, it's, they've been in partnership with, is it, how do you pronounce that name? Is it DNA? DNA. DNA. Yeah. Um, they've been in partnership with them for so long that if they, I mean, that's like, that would have been step one getting that in place oh, yeah. so you know hopefully dna is sort of teaching them a little bit about how you need to treat because we still remember when the when the third they were getting feedback about the wii u's online environment from the third parties and they kept comparing it to xbox live and psn and nintendo said the people who are making this have never played xbox live and psn please stop making those comparisons because they don't know what they I mean. don't know what you're talking and about and yes. all the third parties were like Oh, boy.
2: Yeah. Like it,
1: it was like... Starting at Ground Zero, yeah. So, you know, I think they made the right call by bringing in... I, mean, I call it DNA experts to yeah, some degree yeah. on this. Certainly in comparison. Yeah. So.
0: I've had $60 sitting on the Wii U account now for, like, three years because I put the money in there, thought I needed to buy a game, and then Nintendo sent it to me, and I never, ever found anything else on the Wii U worth paying for on, their, on the eShop, so... I'm glad to know that that sixty bucks is going to transfer over to the Switch, mm-hmm. and you know there's going to be a bunch of digital games like I Am Setsuna. I haven't got to play yeah. that yet. That's going to be available digi- digitally. So well, probably just spend that sixty twi- bucks. I should have been collecting interest all this time. Yeah. I'd have what sixty-two dollars by welcome now. Welcome to the twenty-first century, <laughs> 20-
1: Nintendo.
0: I mean, that's really what's happened here.
1: Yeah, is that Nintendo's finally
0: brought its account system <laughs> up to scratch with yeah.
1: Zelda stepping into this decade and their account system stepping into two decades ago.
0: Yeah, <laughs> literally fifteen so. years ago. Uh, one last thing Zelda getting
1: DLC yeah you're not happy about this you're already paying 60 bucks for this damn thing but every game's it... like that Matt that's not an excuse for why like you hold hard mode back behind a paywall but man. but that's... Like, I don't I gotta I'll probably never play hard mode but like it's stupid like some of the things they're hiding behind the season passes an, are annoying Maybe. And, and, like, you don't need to hide hard mode behind a $20 season patch. I agree that. with that. Yeah, I like definitely that, agree with that. That is that is milking your hardcore fan base in But a Nintendo's that, done that. The Master Quest. I mean, there's another example of where they did it before. At least that was years later. At yeah. Least, you know, and also it was a thing that was supposed to be part of the the 64DD version. Right. That just never made it out. And, like, so, to me, the Master Quest was more like, well, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Got, yeah. to, got to see it. This is more like, I bet they'll play for the hard mode. You yeah. know, it's like, I... And I know they've done. You know, this is, you Nintendo's know, been they, pretty good about been, DLC. People have been getting crazy about this season pass uh, on Zelda, going like, oh, they've never done It's like they've been doing DLC and season passes for years now. Like, look at Fire Emblem. I, I didn't think Fire Emblem's DLC was that good, but it was very similar. Um, I think they priced their stuff too high. Uh, so I
0: don't $20. And I thought that on the Wii U. $20, $20. I agree, Fire Emblem's DLC was a little out of control. But most of the Wii U games, the DLC I thought was very reasonably priced. I felt like Nintendo did a great mm. job of
1: giving you free stuff for Mario Kart, just free. Mario Kart sure, but like say let's say you want all the uh, DLC for Hyrule Warriors, you're going to pay the price of the game again over again. Um which again probably is related to a partnership being with Koei and everybody got got to make their money. Yeah. Um and, you know, on one hand, one part of it beats paying the full price for the Hyrule Warriors Legends on the 3DS. Yeah. Which is what some of that content comes from. But, um, you know, it's just... In the same way that, like, everyone's like, oh, finally Nintendo has stepped into 15 years ago with their online accounts. system. sure didn't take them that long to step into the modern world with the DLC gouging, did it? No, that's
0: direct money in right. their pockets. Yeah, yeah.
1: But Nintendo's not dumb. I mean. They're not
0: dumb. But, like, it's just, you know... You know, I, you can't, DLC, I don't feel you know, like you can hold them to a different standard than everybody else. Like, Why not? Everybody else does. No. You you can't, like, rail on them for doing what every other publisher is doing. And and in my opinion, nowhere near as egregiously. Like, mm. we're gonna get I just like a new ca- dungeon! I- That's awesome, dude! Think about this. Every time Zelda has ever come out, it's like, whatever is on that cartridge, or that disc, or that card, when you finished it, you were done. And I always had this, like, horrible... Every time I've ever finished a Zelda game, I just have this, like, bittersweet feeling. I'm happy that I completed it and the game was awesome. But I also have this, like, oh, I'm not playing another one of these for, like, five or seven years. And I'm not going to have that feeling when I finish Breath of the Wild. I'm going to know that by the end of the year, I'm going to have a brand new dungeon to play. If and that dungeons that's... are any good. I mean you keep you but I'm saying with what I we mean, know I, right
1: now what we know this right is now is a good thing sort of I mean look the du- I'm not convinced about the dungeons There's, you know they, you can do them in any order you don't even have to do them you can just skip them and go to the end of the game I mean that uh, is something I there's no I'm... items to be found in them they don't unlock further things in the world but the way Zelda has always yeah. done like like this might just be another throwaway cave from the Skyrim, you know, catalog here. I don't, I don't know. I what, mean, I don't, you know don't know what know they're charging. Yet. We don't know, but like, I'm just saying your your opinion of getting a new dungeon out of the DLC might change after you've actually played the game.
0: Well, I mean, they have already said the dungeons are as long as typical Zelda dungeons. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't play Zelda just to get a new item at the end of a dungeon. I play Zelda because the dungeons are genius and the way that they're all linked together and the way the puzzles are all incorporated with each other. Like, an extra dungeon for me, I, I'm. I'm excited about that, and it's something we never got to experience in a Zelda game before, and I, I'm i all in for the Zelda DLC. I'm excited for it. Um, I hope it doesn't get really kind of chippy, where they're like, hey, $5 for some stupid t-shirt to put on Link or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, that is one of the things. It is, it's, yeah. There's like a Switch a shirt switch or shirt. something.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which does, makes no sense within the context of the no. game whatsoever. What it's like
1: the Cave of Ordeals and... Uh... Another dungeon. I know there was people speculating that the other dungeon might be played by Zelda or something instead yeah. of Link. Um, might be a standalone thing. What? If, but you know, it's
0: gonna. It'll maybe advance the story. Maybe it gives you more insight into the story. Like, I'm excited about that. It's this thing that we've taken for granted with all these other video game franchises, and we're finally gonna see how Nintendo handles it and, with a Zelda game mm. of all games. So it's just
1: that like. Most of their deal Nintendo's DLC, has been fairly insubstantial. From you know, outside of like stuff like Splatoon and Mario Kart, which I think DLC makes a lot more sense in terms of multiplayer things, just giving you more venues and more options. In terms of their kind of story-driven stuff, the Fire Emblem DLC is complete throwaway. Yeah. Like, one hopes they do better on a flagship series like Zelda. But I mean, we'll have to, we'll, I'll, you know, we'll wait and see. But like. Man, I can count the number of like single-player story DLC things that I think were worth the money on about one hand, uh, yeah. and most of it, it comes from The Witcher. Yeah. And like, you know, if if anyone can do it, sure, it's Nintendo. But do I really expect that to be, you know, after what Fire Emblem get? Because Fire Emblem could have really interesting de- Fire Emblem could have entirely new. I mean, they did on Revelations was basically a whole new yeah. game to some yep. degree. But again, they're charging a full game price for it. Right. Um, it's just. I mean, look, I see your
0: concerns. I'm just, I'm just trying to be optimistic, and I'm excited for, you know, to be perfectly
1: honest, new features yeah. in one of my favorite well, video game well, franchises. Well, also the other, the other thing about it is like, you know, and I'm, I'm not being financially realistic about it, but it's like, hey, man, you made people wait years for this game yeah. before it's even out. You're already trying to sell them a season pass on it. Maybe but again, I... that's something that every publisher does. Of course, it doesn't mean it's good. I mean. How about they do things that every other publisher does in the sense of, like, make your games run in 1080p first, like which, which, they've, you know, which not even anybody manages to do yet. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other things they could catch up with that other publishers do before they could jump in on the gouging That, that, that envelope's already sealed, though. The hardware is what it is. I mean, well, there's no going back on that now. Um, oh, yeah. And there's no going back on the extra deal. You're never going to get the whole game in the box anymore. That's all there is to it. I mean, look, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I don't think Nintendo would be so
0: stupid that it would, like, end the campaign or, on a cliffhanger. No, I don't think they'll that do that. you have to pay. It's
1: just sad to me to see this hit one of the big guys. like And I know it was in Hyrule Warriors and Mario Kart. It was those, inevitable, though. But those are side things. And, you know, if Skyward Sword had made you you know buy extra shit at the end or if Twilight Princess HD had said, like, hey... That's cool and all, but like, if you want the end of the game, the, like, that's not good. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think it'll ever happen I've never happen seen any regard, game but... really do that. Like, no.
0: That is one thing I will say about story DLC, is I've never seen a game where but I, it ended it on like this thing where you're like, and now you need to pay
1: $15 to see what happens. Right. But like, it, well, sometimes. Well, they just updated the ending to Watch Dogs 2. Right. Um, which is a little strange. It doesn't strange. happen very often. I don't think Nintendo would be the one to do that. I think Ubisoft would be the one to do that. Oh, I mean, I would, is I would... that the first, first time you've ever heard about a company
0: changing the ending of a game? No.
1: What are their Well Mass Effect 3 would be oh, the right, obvious right, one. Right. And then uh, I think they were did they I don't know if it ever happened. They were supposed to give rage an ending. You remember that one? Never had one because Rage just stops. It
0: did, yeah.
1: Uh, And like underrated gem, by the way. And there was supposed to be like they were supposed to finish the ending and put that up as as free DLC or a patch later. And I don't remember if they ever did that because nobody, everyone stopped talking about Rage after about a week.
0: Well, Rage is one of those games. People always ask you like, what's the one game that like you regret your score or whatever for? Or what is like your one game that you think is like underrated or misunderstood? I think Rage is that game for me. Like I really had a lot of fun playing that game and then a lot of other people just completely hated it. Like I love the AI. I don't want to go on a crazy tangent, but.
1: I I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't finish it. uh... It's also made by
0: the same team that made
1: Doom. Right. And I think the pedigree is there if you played Doom. like Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. Uh, Doom runs a lot better. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and Rage. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when Rage started on P- I mean, it was. I don't think it was playable. On Remember with
0: like. Mega Textures? That
1: was Carmack's oh, big yeah. thing with Rage. Where was and it's uh, just you, one big texture. It just, just one big thing. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, guess what? When you load that into a bunch of PC configuration, it doesn't work so well. Yeah, yeah. That
0: was one of the cases where uh, Carmack missed the boat on programming. But uh, this might be our one of our last times talking about Switch before it's out there in the wild. Please. Pretty crazy. Yeah, we've talked about <laughs> it a lot, but. It is the biggest story in gaming right now. Yeah, um, it won't be long. Too often, we'll see everyone else's reactions. Uh, a lot of people haven't played it yet. We'll get their first it's chance. It's still to see.
1: a little crazy to me how much we don't know. Yeah. about specifics two weeks out. Yeah, the online anything really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know we get it free until Q four. Yeah,
0: but like that's but still
1: not anything to make an informed purchase. To we know it's going to
0: cost twenty to thirty dollars a year. Yeah, which is good. It's, it's, it's not like half bad. price. But
1: as far as like everything else... We know the, the free games go away after a month. I yeah. don't think we know if we get to pick the free game. Do we know anything good? The price, that's good. Price is better than expected. But you
0: also think about how much am I really going to be playing a Switch online? Unless you're right. really big into Splatoon
1: and you haven't played Mario Kart 8. I guess maybe you'd play a lot. Some people are into Splatoon, but like, yeah. I'm not one of them. I, I can't imagine what I would be paying for with on the switch i just i whatever if if it's if it's there
0: i haven't seen it yet i might prefer just being able to pay five bucks a month and just pay that five bucks pay for five the month. one month
1: when whatever game you want to play comes out and just right. play that and then be done with it yep yeah i could see myself doing that if like i don't know probably maybe like smash brothers yeah like splatoon
0: when it comes out i'll play i won't play it over a
1: month and i have that month with it it's good enough for me yeah, that's all you yep we'll okay, see i don't care about splatoon might do Mario Kart. I never did play Mario Kart on the Wii U. Oh really?
2: No.
0: You
1: never played it at all. No. Oh my God, dude, play it. It's great. Well, it's coming. Yeah, it's
0: great. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't played it yet, then get it for Switch. It's a great game, man. I love Mario Kart 8. Other than like, in the beginning, welcome to Mario Kart. Yeah, it's well, And that's then no, you didn't Mario let me do it. Game. It goes, welcome to Mario Kart. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <interesting. Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's so damn funny. Alright, let's move on. Uh, lots of E3 announcements coming out over the last week. First we got last week we talked about already the public getting in. It's um, funny that,
1: that Marika thing reminded me of the reminds me of Resident Evil. Hey. Resident <laughs> Evil. Hey. Yeah. <Eight>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's so great. Uh, So we already talked last week about uh, the public being able to get into E3. A couple more minor stories this week we wanted to talk about. One, Bethesda's having another press
1: conference. Yeah. What does that tell you? Because Prey's coming out before E3. tells me they better have an Elder Scrolls announcement. That's what I'm saying. Because I don't know why else you're wasting my time. That's what I'm saying. (laughs)
0: Like, Bethesda has said in the past they will only have an E3 press conference when when they have something worth celebrating. And look, all their games have come out at this point. Yeah, there's nothing left. What could it be? It could be Elder Scrolls Six, Doom VR. Uh, they wouldn't have a no. press conference for that. That's too much no. money. It costs way too much money to have a press conference
1: and rent out oh, yeah. location and everything. So it's got to be something big. Well, that's the nice thing about, or at least so far, is Bethesda is not delusional about what what things they have are exciting. Because it's like you know, if Ubisoft is doing this, you just wouldn't. Know. It's like who knows? It could be steep too. Like you don't, you don't know. Like what what they've convinced themselves internally is good or yeah. interesting. But Bethesda seems to be, for regardless of what you think of the final product, they're pretty good at being like, oh, this is, you're gonna want to watch this and yeah. coming through on it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking Elder Scrolls. I don't know what else they could have that would be... I mean, if, if it's not that, it's something that we don't know about at all. It's it's new, or Another it's... Another Prey or
0: something. Um, ideal.
1: Or, like, Dishonored 3, all, you know, damn the torpedoes, we're going to make this series I until mean, you until you get it. I don't know. But they've
0: already got out all their franchises this year. It's like, what could it be?
1: The only other thing I could think is, uh, you know, if I'm talking about Dream Bethesda announcements... We've buried the hatchet with Obsidian. They're making the next Fallout game.
0: Yeah. Because Ob- that's
1: possible. Obsidian does need work. And they, Bethesda
0: did just say that Fallout 4 is like its most successful game mm-hmm. ever. So
1: and maybe the one, they're going to And the it. one big thing that circulates around all the Fallout discussion and all the Fallout communities and all the Fallout fans is even whether you hated or loved Fallout 4, pretty much everyone can agree that New Vegas is better. Yeah. And just in terms of, I mean... Well, Fallout 4 after is be- a while it was. Because when New right. Vegas came out, it, New it was Vegas a Vegas is a slow burn. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, it was a disaster
1: at first. Right. It was, like, broken. Like, it's people Obsidian. couldn't even play it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but you, what, now, now, if you go back to it now, yeah. install a whole bunch of mods, it's great. Yeah, it is. Um, Fallout 4 is better shooting, but that's not really what people are after in Fallout, really. Um, so I could see... And Obsidian just went through that whole thing with uh, Armored Warfare. Where they the Russian developers pulled it away from them, and now My.Com is going to develop the whole right. thing. Like, I mean, Obsidian's like a two hundred something person company, and I think like a hundred and fifty of them were working on that game. Yeah. So if they want to save a good chunk of their employee base, there you know, is. that negotiation might be something to think about. I mean, I have no idea what if that's true or not, or if there's any kind of. If they're even open to talking to each other, if Bethesda even gives a shit. But, like, that would be my dream Bethesda announcement, is Obsidian is back on Fallout.
0: Okay, the other big uh, E3 uh, thing of note this week. Microsoft moves its E3 press
1: conference from early Monday morning back to Mm -hmm. Sunday. We're going to be having these things the Monday before E3 in three years. Like this is, it's just going to be press conferences, and everyone's going to go home.
0: Matt, why would they do this?
1: Because my position is... Microsoft doesn't want to get up in the morning. My
0: position is, <laughs> if Microsoft wanted to move its press conference, it should have moved it to Tuesday morning. Yeah. Because it's been burned it's in Sony, the past by... So when's Sony? Have they it's, said it's, I, I'm assuming it's going to be Monday early evening like it always is.
1: It's just weird that they would give Sony that much more time to react. Yeah. I I'm flabbergasted. It is, it, look, it, some people have argued
0: that it lost this generation because of giving Sony all that time mm-hmm. in between its press conference where it announced sort of the polarizing first details of Xbox One until Sony then announced PlayStation 4.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you look at, like, Sony... And then drop the mic with the whole we aren't doing the DRM thing.
0: Right. And, it, and look, that...
1: Which is Sony's biggest, like, body slam in a press conference since $299. You're right. In the first E3. Uh, right. After they just bur- they buried Saturn in one word.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it kind of happened this generation, yeah. too. Yeah. And it's not like
1: Sony had to prepare anything. Like, what did it do? It added a new slide? A new slide. They shot a little thing on a hand, on like a phone camera in their hotel room. Yeah. Like, that was all It along. was obvious that it... I mean, whether it was in the plans all along or... It, it, it was. Looked, it was not. It, it, it like, probably was. They they had that that same DRM scheme ready to go if that became the standard, but they decided with the reaction of Microsoft that was not what they were going to do. Yeah, and so why do you
0: give them even more time to plot against you?
1: We've. We, it's definitely. I mean, I don't think it can be argued that you can't. Or, or the, I don't think you can argue against the idea that Sony has an advantage by going last on these press uh, Yeah, conferences. I mean, of course. it. Oh, it Definitely. I mean, it used to be Nintendo would go
0: early Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. but, who, yeah. I mean, are they going to have a press conference this year? They probably should.
1: Probably should, but I bet they won't. We'll get a direct. And, I think it might be 50-50. Maybe. I mean, I think they like the directs, but, like, the thing is... Because you control everything. Right. You're not worried about the live environment. Well, my, something going right. Well, and my side, the other question is, like, did... How happy were they with the live Switch reveal event? Right. uh, However they feel internally about that is going to probably determine whether they do it live or direct. Yeah. Uh, Back to Microsoft, though. I think
0: this is a poor decision. As much as I like the fact that we don't have to get up, like...
1: Right. ...at an ungodly hour on Monday morning... Right after doing the Bethesda thing the night before.
0: Right. Like, I just... From a business perspective, a tactical perspective, I cannot see why Microsoft
1: is doing this. There must be something... Internal or some reason like even Bethesda said well imitations the sincerest <laughs> form of flattery
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: uh,
1: About the move to Sunday, um, so it's so at first I was like oh, maybe there's some kind of tandem thing with Bethesda but Apparently Bethesda is as surprised as we are right right so I don't know. I don't know what they're doing Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean it's this is the first time
0: Microsoft has ever moved his press conference Mm-hmm
1: I don't remember it ever so being in the only at 9 a.m. The only on thing Monday. I can think is if maybe or wait no they did it at Santa Monica High School oh, yeah. Sa- at one time. yeah, but that yeah they Santa Monica the E3 didn't count. Yeah, that, that, that was all just crazy. It stuff. was, yeah. Because that was it. That was it. Yeah, Santa Monica High School and like uh, in their football stadium. Oh, that was a night. <laughs> oh, a what night. a night. <laughs> well, that was that was the that was the famous <laughs> cutting a commercial in the middle of the Halo. 3 oh, that's trailer. right, that's right. Uh, one of G4's debacle. biggest gas. Yeah. yeah. After which we were no, we went commercial free for the for the remainder of the existence <laughs> of the channel on, on press conferences. Yeah, some lessons are hard learned. Oh man, that was amazing. Yeah, look that look that one up on YouTube if you can. Look at, where they where they turned Adam's mic on. It was amazing. Yeah, it was uh, that'll ever go down in the annals of video oh. game journalism. And that was that was also hard coming coming into to E3 after that to see the game trailers, guys, because they're like they're, everyone's like nice job like fuck you like, i honestly not... didn't even know about it you didn't know no until you're you guys knew told, about it. until you guys told
0: me because dude e3 i was just running around like a maniac oh yeah so i hadn't even heard the story i think you actually told me about it maybe i didn't i think it you didn't. walked up to me and you're like bro and i'm like what's wrong <laughs> i was like i watched your stuff last night it was great and you're like oh no you like, all of it. <laughs> yeah uh
1: you think ultimately is it a big deal microsoft is moving I mean, probably not, uh, in ter- not in terms of, like, life or death stuff. But my only thing I can think is, like, because the rest... Cause because we're Mon- so far into the generation right. now. But, like, Monday is, um... Is it still, like, EA and Ubisoft? It is showing Scorpio for the first time, though. Right, but the- Monday is still, like, EA and Ubisoft and, mm-hmm. and all that for the rest of the day. Maybe they're doing the big press conference reveal Sunday night, uh, and then there's an event in the morning where people can hands-on that it. That could be. You know, like, maybe... Because, yeah. like, like, otherwise, that whole day is just... I mean, you get to Microsoft at 8 in the morning... And you're just going until the end of Sony. Maybe that is what it is. Maybe they want to debut Scorpio and all
0: its games and everything on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then early Monday is the hands-on time. That would be my
1: guess. I don't mean that's a lot of money. Because
0: because, you can't 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 convince people to to stay at your event when they have to go to Bethesda.
1: Exactly. And and with a new system like that, you want people to get some hands-on time. Yep. Uh, to get the stories written before the big E3 rush happened. Right. so that that would be my guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's happening. Um, and are they are, is there? Is their conference before or after Bethesda? I think it's before. Okay, so they wouldn't be, have, be able to have an event after that because everybody's going right. to Bethesda. Yeah, I mean that would be my guess that they're doing something Monday morning to get people get let people get their hands on the system. Um, my question would be: Any on,
0: guess what a going to be called?
1: Oh, um, Xbox Two. No. <laughs> I that I mean I don't know. <laughs> Xbox also. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean I'd kind of maybe not be surprised by Xbox Next. Yeah. Uh, or something Wouldn't like that. Wouldn't you just call it Next Box? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Never said I was in marketing, people next
1: box yeah (laughs) Um, i mean that's what we used to call the 360 before they announced the the title yeah um i don't know like i don't i mean i would never call xbox one either so i i don't i don't even have an idea what their naming scheme is how awesome would it be if
0: scorpio was that crazy xbox prototype that was literally an x oh this big silver x yeah
1: (laughs) and they show like a really high quality version of that girl dancing with the robot (laughs) it's like what the hell you reach into the X and you pull out the center and it's a portable device. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, nice
0: segue into the next topic. Uh, this week, somebody on GAF uncovered a patent application that was filed way back in 2015 for a new Sony handheld. Uh-oh. Yeah. And uh, Sam, bring up that image of the new Sony handheld. What does that look like to you, Matt? Uh. <laughs>
1: That looks like a switch with a decent d-pad
0: yeah <laughs> it does although it also has a d-pad on one and buttons on the other yeah
1: but it has a d-pad
0: yep but wow yeah so sony filed this in 2015 hmm. and we were we were just i was just talking on guys it look
1: like those come off i don't know kind sort of maybe i mean I, mm, I don't know it's like it's hard to tell that that's weird like that's so unstreamlined. Well, if you look, there so. are
0: reference points going into the gap between the tablet and the controllers, yeah. which means that they would reference something, which means yes, that they probably do detach yeah. from from the the tablet. Wow. But you know, Geif, I was talking about how Nintendo's secrecy is just moronic and pointless at this point, and I think here's uh, Exhibit A of of why Nintendo's saying, oh, we don't show our stuff until right up till be because people are going to steal it, well, maybe Nintendo's run out of
1: ideas that other people can't think of. I don't no. know, but... Mac- like that looks so weird. It's like it, it almost looks like a phone add-on or something. Yeah. Like hmm. maybe Sony was
0: just creating controllers for mobile games? Yeah, like before kind they of gave up on that? Yeah, I mean, know. obviously, that's not a tablet, though. No. I mean, that is some kind of proprietary screen thing. Yeah. Thingy. Um, I mean, you'd think, that,
1: you'd think at this point Sony would know better than to keep trying to fight that war. Well, that's what we want to talk about. Do you think this is ever going to come to fruition? Not if they're smart. That, that battle's over. Like, Nintendo has that has part of that space just because they're Nintendo and, and people identify handhelds with them because, of the you know, going back to the Game Boy. But it's not a market that's worth fighting over right now, I don't think. Especially when, you know, if the Switch takes off, between 3DS and the Switch, you've got that cornered for Nintendo. If the Switch doesn't take off, it means no one cares. Yeah. So I don't see any advantage for Sony getting into that realm again. Um, I mean, look, the Vita in America was a complete and utter failure. Oh yeah. Japan though, Japan did a. Okay. I mean, it's. I mean, even in America, the Vita is still your go-to source for anime, for crap. JRPGs I mean, <laughs>
0: in a lot of ways. Somewhat,
1: but also like kind of the visual novel weird throwaway kind of. I mean, I don't. I see that stuff come through the Sifted feed on a regular basis. I'm just like, another Vita game. I, was like, yeah, like, I haven't turned on my Vita. At least they found a... I don't know where my Vita is. I haven't turned alone. on my Vita in probably... a year and some. Oh, it's been longer than that. The last thing I played on the Vita was Suikoden 1 and 2 when they hit the PlayStation Network, the, classic, the PS1 Classics thing, like, two years ago, three years ago. It was a while. I took it for the trip home over the holidays and never turned it on. I do that all the time, or used to. I don't know where it is now. But, like, I would always bring it with me on trips and never open it. Yeah, I did that just this holiday season when I went back to the East Coast for Christmas and
0: New Year's and everything. And I just, it just, I had it in my bag and I never turned it on.
1: And if I do open it, I inevitably play either Persona 4 or Ninja Gaiden.
0: No, you're right. Like, it,
1: it, it, I, played, I played two games I bought at launch.
0: I end up playing like tower defense games and things like that, just things that are mindless mm-hmm. that you can try over and over again because it makes the time go right. so fast. <laughs>
1: and I still, I still get like you know, I still, you know, add the free games every month from PSN to my account for the Vita, even though I know I'm never going to. It's it's just a compulsion at this point.
0: So why do you think Sony filed that patent?
1: Inertia. Like <laughs> if you've been making stuff forever, I guess they're like, hey, this is a decent idea. File it just in case we feel like we have to jump in on it or something. I mean, and I yeah. wonder what
0: Sony thought whenever Nintendo unveiled the Switch.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder when Nintendo filed the patents. That's a good question. I don't remember. I mean, we obviously showed the patent images for Switch on the show a couple mm-hmm. months ago, but I don't remember when those were filed. I wonder if maybe this could get into a nasty, like, legal fight. I mean, you would think by now Sony would have already... Had its legal team reach out to Nintendo if it felt like it
1: was infringing on any patents, I guess yeah um, I mean they're probably different enough in how they because like you get, you see like the uh, the Sony patent has sort of little little mounts for the things whereas yeah. like yeah i would I would kind of guess that those click on like you know like pegs rather than the switch which slides on right like that i feel like they're they're, i mean the idea is there but it's like you know phones have had stuff like that for years so it's not it's not like you can really say that they're tremendously original ideas it's more like how they work and so i would say they're probably not similar enough to really cause that and also like what's in it for sony doing that going after nintendo like that nothing nothing but well yeah, but you're not gonna win that case. You're gonna get a settlement. You're gonna it's gonna be like the but that's a thing, except not nearly even probably that high profile. Also, you might see some legal action if the switch is a giant hit. Right, you know, if the switch is huge, well, and you saw somebody's many like, people... Hey, this was this was money that should have been ours, but we we patented it. Th- that,
0: then it might happen. Well, you saw how many companies went after Nintendo for the accelerometers on oh, yeah. the Wii.
1: Oh yeah, I, th- I think there was three lawsuits over those. Yeah. ultimately. And on the flip side, you see how people just stopped going after uh, Hello Games for the No Man's Sky algorithms. Yeah. We're good. Sorted. Oh no, that not... well, never even heard of it. I yeah.
2: Don't know. yeah. I, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't. There think... are no algorithms in no mask. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we'll ever see another Sony handheld. I think Sony. I mean, the crazy part about Ooh. it is the PSP was actually more successful than the 3DS, yeah. and that was barely enough to convince Sony to do another handheld. So, based upon what's happened with the Vita in the U.S., I, look, it's still it's a viable platform sh- in Japan. It's, oh
1: yeah, they're... the market has shrunk to a frightening degree to the point that I just don't think there's room. For two competing de- dedicated handhelds, and Nintendo's got that cornered. And that
0: I would argue, too, that Nintendo's first party lineup is far more compelling to a bigger audience. Oh, yeah. And so,
1: if Sony had done dedic- with the Vita, like- right? But well, Sony had—if Sony had not done what they did with the PSP again, where it's just like we're just going to put inferior versions of PlayStation console games on this thing, which yeah. is, which they said they learned their lesson and weren't going to do at the beginning of the Vita, and then proceeded to do exactly that after the launch lineup came out. Yeah, you know, they, they rode cross by on that for years, like. It's like, oh, you buy the Sly Cooper Sly Cooper 4 and you also get it on Vita. I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to play it on Vita because why would I? Like, you know, it's ah, like, yeah,
0: exactly. Especially this,
1: with remote play. Yeah. This is the same thing. with, And also, again, this is the same thing that the problem I have with the Switch is like, I'm never going to play a Name game I care about on the road because I'd rather play it in 1080p on my TV. Like, yeah. There's just no appeal to, to me there. The, but I think the, appeal of the Vita the as... difference
0: in strength of the first-party lineup. Oh, yeah. When you look at like how Nintendo's able to sell its, its hardware, its handheld hardware, and how Sony was unable to, because I just feel like there isn't an affinity for Sony's first-party products like there are for mm-hmm. Nintendo's. People will buy Nintendo's handheld
1: hardware to play that handheld version of yeah. Zelda. Well, and also because the... it is a completely unique game. Right. Well, also, the, the Nintendo's never been afraid to have... Like their handheld content be more of a throwback to the classic stuff. You're right. You know, like GBA was very much like it was like having another Super Nintendo. And to this, you know, Fire, Vita's Fire like, Emblem. Hey, it's a handheld PS3. Exactly. Like Fire Emblem, you know, Fire Emblem or even Link Between uh, Link Between Worlds, which was a throwback to Link to Link to the Past. Yeah. Like, you know, you you they they trade very well on the nostalgia in their handheld lineup, uh, whereas they try to kind of make new things and push the envelope more on their console lineup. Whereas Sony Just wants to give you the same experience on a smaller screen, Uh, and the real strength, the only strength of the Vita that has really been played up in the in America so far is like there there's been a lot of games, mainly anime derived or JRPG derived that only come to the Vita in the West. Yep. Um, So that's you know, and that again, exclusives are what drive you to a platform. And now it looks like those those games have started to gain enough of a following that you know you're starting to see localizers announce these games for the Vita in the West and also PC yep. which is going to finally kill the Vita dead 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 <laughs> dead dead dead, dead. Um, not in Japan but I admit I am, I'm impressed by like you know last year's E3 conference where Sony just kept just like also for the Vita also for the Vita also the Vita I mean they're not I give them credit for not abandoning the people who bought that system. Well, I mean, they did kind of abandon. Oh, it they for did, a while. but they came back last year. Like yeah. they finally
0: mentioned it again. The pre- two prior years, they had pretty much right. just gone. I mean, I thought again. you were never going to see them
1: mention that system right. again, yeah. ever. But uh, they, they got out there and they were holding, they held it up on stage. I couldn't believe. It's it. Somebody's smart about that, though. It figures out that it has these kind of
0: little niche audiences mm-hmm. among its customer base, and it will give them nods yeah. here and there. It's now like, it's hey, smart we see, about we see
1: it. You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully... Unless you're a fan of Wonderbook. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's probably not coming back.
0: Yeah, probably not. Right. The iToy. Yeah.
1: The iToy? What the Vaguely. hell?
0: Vaguely, yeah. I'm starting to wonder if PlayStation VR is going to be another iToy. Mm-hmm. A lot more expensive version of the iToy anyway. All right, next we're going to talk to you about Sniper Elite 4. I have not been playing this game, but Matt has. Yeah. Matt, I think the first thing I would ask you about this game is, does it get boring? Because... Sniping in video games is, for me, is one of those things where I like it when you get the obligatory level or two that you always get in every shooter. There's always, even like in Resident Evil 4, there's Mm -hmm. like a one level where you're sniping. And most shooters have like a level or two where you have to do it. And I enjoy it then. But in the past, playing not just this series, but there's like three series that are Mm -hmm. focused on sniping... I always find myself, after a few hours, getting tired of it. Does Sniper Elite 4 manage to kind of trump that
1: that sort of repetitive nature of these games? I think it does to some degree. Um, it do- it's not doing anything particularly different from Sniper Elite 3. It's it's much prettier. I think there's more stuff to do in the levels. They're a little bigger, maybe. Um, the main thing about it is, and this is one of my, my kind of, I guess, pet peeves about stealth games, is, like or at least stealth games that, like, also let you go loud, um, is a lot of those games will kind of, you know, have that thing where they make you feel like you're doing it wrong if you yeah. blow if you blow your cover, basically. Well, yeah. Some games will just end the mission. Um, yeah. It's just, like, over. This game does not do that. And it actually, you know, because it actually encourages you to play it how you want. And if the way you want to play it is blowing stuff up like this and, like, running around taking guys out, like, with no care in the world other than staying on the move, that's viable. And that'll work. Like, Do you have, like, a handgun and, like, yeah. a, and, and, like you have, a machine you have gun? A hand, you have a handgun, you have a machine gun, and you have a sniper rifle. Oh, wow. Okay. And you have trip mines, and you have TNT, and you have grenades, and you have sticky grenades, and, I mean, you have tons of stuff to play with in this game. And um, they encourage you to set traps, you can booby trap bodies, you can you know you know shoot stuff that makes things blow up and then like like on the first the first stage uh you're right near a um a Luftwaffe um, base planes constantly fly over and there's a little indicator that says your sound is masked because the sound in the the ambient sound in the area is too loud for someone to pick out a gunshot basically uh-huh. so you wait for the planes to go over and every you know it's every time a plane goes over a plane goes over like um Someone's head explodes, and yeah. they don't really seem to put that one together. Right, <laughs> but right. like, but so it's kind of about you know, move to this place, wait for the planes, shoot a guy, move you know, or you can sneak up behind him, stab him in the throat. you call it a day. Um, it's it's very and like it is totally viable to just go loud and wait for them to come to you and mow them all down with an MP forty. Like you you can absolutely do that. The game does not. The game still gives you experience for it. It doesn't. But is it like really hard? You.
0: Um, a lot of times these
1: games would be hard. like, oh, here's, a, here's an AK-47 and a
0: handgun, but what you find is, like, if you get within 50 yards of the enemies, they shoot you once and you just die. No, And it's just kind got... of this roundabout way of telling you, hey, don't do that.
1: No, I haven't run into that too much. Really? I'm pl- I mean, I'm playing it on uh, normal, so okay. it's probably a little forgiving in that. But, like, the game's very good about them not knowing exactly where you are. Okay. Uh, once you're spotted, like, if you, so if you shoot and the gunshot is heard. It's a triangulation system, basically. So, the little triangle will spin on the map where you fired the weapon. They'll, the enemies that heard it will turn yellow on the map, and they can come... They'll come investigate, basically. Okay. If you move out of the way, they won't see you, and if you hide nearby, they'll come here, like... And then they'll look around. Uh, the thing is... Um, like, they'll look around, but you can take them out on the way and, like, you know, it won't alert anybody unless they see the body or they're too close to, to hear something happening. Uh, right now, I do have a, a silenced pistol, which helps. I just, you know, I, I, I screwed up at one point, mistimed the firing, and as I was trying to get away, that somebody saw me. So they, they came down to look for where I was. Right. And um, uh, somebody saw me because there was a boat. There was a boat on the coast, and I didn't see that they could see me because I was hiding on the beach. And they came along... And they're walking, you know, they're walking, and so there's an officer and two soldiers, and they're looking at the body, and they're like, blah, 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 and so there's a go the there. So one soldier goes this way, and the lieutenant leads uh, the, the, the infantry guy away from him, and I go right past the bush I'm hiding in, and I'm laying down with the silenced pistol, and I just go, and <laughs> and take out the infantry guy behind him, and and the lieutenant keeps walking. Like, he doesn't yeah. even see it. And so I, so I come back out, and I'm just like, mm, and I sneak over, and I come and I stab the guy in the throat, and I take his. Uh, Take takes duty roster because all the lieutenants have duty rosters, and if you get them, you can then see the hit their the soldier under their command on the map oh okay um, so there's a lot of incentive to because you if you pull out the binoculars, you can tag everybody you can tag people you see and if you hold the, the the lock on them you um, it'll tell you I actually love this you can it it tells you like their name and their rank and the, and uh, like what item they're carrying and a little factoid about them. And like it's but, <laughs> and I think it's interesting because like uh you know you the way this game is super gory like you've probably seen already that the slow mo X ray cam of, you know the bullets shatter people's jaws and or blow testicles. their organs open <laughs> and like oh yeah it's, I mean it's, it's brutal gore porn. Um, can you turn but, that off if you want to? Yes, you can turn that off. Uh, I would never do that, but, but you can. <laughs> Some people her. might just if anything um, to speed up the game. Yeah. Because after a while, even that gets a little. I will ripped. never get tired of shooting a guy in the face and seeing that the bullet goes through and then penetrates out the back of his skull and pops his helmet off like back i mean that, i just the, i love it i love i mean i'm a mortal kombat fan right I'm, right. Just, right I'm, i can't i can't help it um or like even here you see like you can you know you can you can shoot this guy or you can wait for him to get under that uh that you know the, 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 the cargo and, and drop and yeah. drop that off you can tag all that with your binoculars But it gives you a little, like, you know, the the tagging the guys. So sometimes you'll see, like, um, you know, know, basically executed entire farm family for not evacuating from town. Or misses his mother. Or stuff like that. And it's, like, this weird way of humanizing the Nazi soldiers. Oh, jeez. And, like... Which, like, on one hand is sort of like, ooh. But on the other hand, it is kind of reminding you that like, a lot of these guys were not there by choice. Right. And uh, it had a couple... T- I mean, I still kill them all. But, like... Um, <laughs> but, the, but the point of it is um, you can see who has uh, collectibles on them. You can uh-huh. see who has important papers. So you, if you only want, if you want to ghost it, basically. If you want to go through only killing the people you need to kill or only kill the people that are important to kill... You can ID them and decide, I'm going after him. Got you, got you. And he's the one who has the thing I need, or he's the one who has the collectible I need. And, uh, and the other thing I like about it, and maybe you get, I don't know, something that helps you with this later, but so far, so like one of the things you collect is it's lots of collectibles in each thing, which um, is not as annoying as it might have been. That's kind of surprising um, to hear about it. There's, there's like, like this... eight or nine types of collectibles. Because <laughs> there are a lot of them are letters you're collecting, but one all of right. them is called Last Letters. And it's uh, this thing that they used to do, and in the, in the, they would do in the German army in World War II, and they would write, um, basically a soldier would write a letter to their loved one that they'd keep on them, and if they got killed, the idea was that letter would get sent to, to the, the family. The family. Right. Um, and so there's a bunch of guys where you'll scan them, and it'll say, last letter is their item. So you have to go get them, and, and, but here's the thing. There's no indicator for where they are or who has the letters or anything like that. If you shoot that guy from a thousand yards out, you gotta go find his body. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so like so it encourages you to not just do one thing over and over again if you wanna complete everything. Like so on the guy like that, if I spot a last letters guy, I'm like, okay, I gotta go in close. Right, I gotta, right. cause just because otherwise I'm gonna lose his corpse, basically. Yeah. Or he might fall off a cliff or something. Um and the game, like it, it is enjoyable to me to do all that stuff, to 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 work your way through it, and, and the way it kind of forces you to do uh, things other than sit in a tower and shoot people with a long range gun. Yeah. Um, and the other advantage I think it has is uh, it's very pretty. Uh, but it takes... is
0: it pretty? It doesn't look that. Good I think to it's, me. I think it's
1: pretty uh, in terms of the landscape and the architecture and like. And it takes place in Italy, so there's a lot of like kind of. Italy's beautiful. A lot of fighting in like, you know, these really beautiful like seaside towns and the early part of the game and stuff like that. So
0: you're saying the setting is beautiful. Setting is nice. Technically,
1: though, it's not a real looker, I don't think. It's all right. I mean, on PC, it's very nice. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not this so much. A this is the PS4 version This is a PS4. Here. Yeah, yeah. It's not, this is not as great looking. I mean, just look at the water. Yeah. <laughs> the water is very nice on my... I mean, least, I mean maybe the ocean, but like when you step through puddles and... I mean, look, like, it's, it's not stuff. an ugly
0: game. It's just yeah. not top tier, so to speak.
1: Well, it ain't Uncharted 4 or anything, but like... What about I, the but,
0: story? Do, do you care? Uh, no, it's bog standard World War II stuff. That's what I figured. Like, it's a, but what does this make you think about... You know, we had a discussion about... Call of Duty kind of returning to this era. Does mm. it? How do you feel about that after playing Sniper Four,
1: Sniper Elite Four? Um, I feel like Call of Duty will come up with a better premise. Oh really? Than this. <laughs> like, I mean, this is literally like gruff, deep-voiced American man like works his way up the Italian peninsula like shooting Nazis until they all go home. Right. Like, it's, it's li- yeah, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no pretense towards narrative really here. It's I mean, just, other than
0: them trying to humanize the Nazis,
1: I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see that. I mean, it's, it's like I don't mind the idea of like you know that whole like taking the. So there you see the the icon up at the top that indicates those planes are drowning right. out any noise you're making. Yeah. Like I don't mind the idea that like you know a lot of the people in World War II were just there because they were told they had be to. There, yeah. You know, it was uh, it, it, the draft on both sides was you know a reality yeah um your guy is not there because he has to be there your no. guy really likes shooting Nazis yeah. like he's he is super happy does he happy. celebrate it no but like he's you know in the cut scenes which are mainly at the beginning and end of the missions there's sort of the thing where he's like, he's like it's like you know they're hunting for you they know you're here there's no way you're gonna he's like
3: hazard like, of the job gotta do it
1: you that's so, like okay dude like like this man is very excited about popping some skulls in the Italian countryside. Matt, how do you feel... As a, except he never gets excited, but you can tell this is, this is the job he enjoys.
0: How do you feel about the scores this game's getting? It's getting like eight,
1: mid-eight. I would kind of put it up. It there. seems like I should have drafted this game instead of For Honor. Well, <laughs> at maybe. <this> point, I, <laughs> who would have ever guess? I said at the time I was not sure how For Honor was going to be received. Yeah. Like as a fighting game fan, I know it's actually that, like, going
0: up. It was around seven, better. and it's starting to tick up. It. One thing I noted is that it seems like the longer it takes an outlet to review
1: For Honor, the higher the score yeah. they give it. Well, you you say like the more you play it, the more you like it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you have to learn it it's not a it's it's not a first for not a first impression game really. yeah it's not uh, I saw the, the I think I saw the depth in it because of my fighting game background when I originally played it um, but I certainly uh gave them more of the benefit of the doubt for the campaign than I should have uh, at the time so uh
0: so do you think that's right I mean look we're not gonna do a game valve for this game it's a mm. it's kind of like
1: one of the few B-level games, but it's actually ascended up to almost yeah. being above that. It is a B-movie game. Mean, it is a, yeah. And it's one of, but it's, I guess the thing is, like, you know, I played Sniper Elite 3. After I played this at E3, I went back and got Sniper Elite right. 3 for like $5 on Steam. And I'm like, yeah, this is fun. This, I think, is better. It's just, I feel like the areas are bigger and there's, there's more to do. Is there any
0: multiplayer in this game?
1: Yeah. There's multi- I haven't played it, but uh, there, is, there is multiplayer and there is co-op. Oh, Uh, cool! Through the campaign, how does Um, a co-op work, Edith? Both shooting, or is one person a spotter and
0: the other one's the shooting, or? uh,
1: You're both you're both capable of doing all the same things. But obviously, you can you know one can use binoculars and spot for the other player and stuff like that if you want. Um, So I mean I have not played that, but uh, I imagine that's pretty fun. It seems Seems like a good game for that. Or you can also sort of take opposite sides of the the map and kind of like deal with that. So like.
3: I guess cool I guess I would say it's
1: like you know how like sometimes you get those like european like kind of b list games that like have like the, the euro Euro-jank. J- The Euro-jank. <laughs> this is like that except there isn't really any jank. wow it's that's great. very it's it's shockingly jank free wow and uh it feel it feels like a really high quality you know it feels like it could be a triple a game if enough people cared about it right you know right what I mean? yeah um i'm really I'm really happy with it uh it is what it is. So everyone's not crazy, a, I don't. I don't think game. they're crazy. I think, uh, especially if you don't have a ton of experience with this series, which I don't. I played like half of Sniper Sniper Elite Three just because I played This City Forty Three, and I was like, I really like this, so I'm gonna yeah. play the other one, and it was fine. You know, the other one was cool. It was fine, but I like this one better. It looks a little better. It's got more stuff to play with. Um, I love booby trapping corpses because uh, that's you know the gameplay. They do a pretty good job so far. Of uh, I'm only three levels in, but like. Because the levels take a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very beginning of the third stage and I think I played for like five hours. Wow. Like, the, these are big maps. These, I mean, Holy cow. The, the first level took me like an hour. Wow. A little over an hour. Like, because you're sneaking around, you don't move too fast. There's like, there's like five or six objectives you can complete in each area and I was running around looking for stuff and finding What's Well, it's a sniping game. It's methodical. You take it slow. Not necessarily. Like, I was are you, moving pretty I mean, fast. can you get
0: killed with one shot?
1: Uh, if a sniper gets you, yeah. So, high stakes. You gotta yeah. kind of take there's it no, easy. Well, there's no snipers in the first level. but right. You start running them, and then you, start to, you see like a little glint right. of, of the, yeah. the scope. And so you, there are some sniper battles. They can see you way further out than any other character, obviously. Otherwise, um, it'd be too easy. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is real, real satisfying when you see that glint first. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, oh, I see you. I know where you are. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> wait, hold my breath. There well, cool, go. man. It's good to hear kind of a game
0: that's flying under the radar that uh, might yeah. be worth picking up for people who like certain kinds I of mean, games. I mean, if you're looking
1: at that footage and you're like, oh that looks really cool," you'll like it. I like, yeah. it's you know, it's not obviously it's not open world, but those maps are big. Like the you saw the map, you know, the, the actual map that got brought up in the B-roll. Yeah, um, they're bit You know, they're they're large size to the point that I was a little surprised you can't get in cars and drive. Right, actually, like it. it because the the one of the mechanic like the stamina mechanic is basically your heart rate. Uh-huh. Um, if your heart rate goes up too high, uh, he breathes heavy, which will give him away in in cover, and uh, you can't aim steady Got in the in the sniper scope. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you run or you know, or dash, the the you're creating some heart downtime rate goes, for yourself. Yes yeah, the heart rate goes up. Now, as far as I could tell, it once your heart rate maxes out, you don't have to stop sprinting you can keep going. It doesn't like make you stop running ever. Yeah. Uh, but, if you run into a problem, a situation, and your heart rate's that high, you're not gonna be able to really do anything about it for, you know, 30 seconds or so at least before you, you calm down a bit. Oh, yeah. um, so that's sort of the balance of it, which has been the case in the other games as well. Um, but I would say like if you, if you dig the military thing, if you dig this, the sniping thing, if you think the x-ray stuff looks cool and you've never played this game, I'd say check it out. Like, like it's, it is what it is. It does what it says. It's pretty straightforward, but I think it does it well. All right. Let's move on. We're going to
0: talk next about... I've been juggling two games the last, like, four or five days. Obviously, I've been talking about For Honor. I've been playing that. I've also been playing Halo Wars 2. Matt, did you play the first Halo Wars? A little bit. What would you think of it?
1: Me. Me? I'm terrible at real-time strategy games. Oh, really? It's just not... Really I, look, day. I'm no
0: expert, and I would say it's probably the genre... I wouldn't say I know the least about, but I would say it's one of those genres I'm not as qualified to evaluate as others. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best. I would way to say put the put it. same. I played thing. a ton of them,
1: but I'm not right. an expert on it. And the only the only RTSs I've played on, on like a really regular basis have been um, Rise of Nations, which is probably my favorite RTS of all time, uh, The Dawn of War, Warhammer games. And Sins of a Solar Empire. Like yeah. those are my go-tos, and that's basically. It. And I mean, I've played through like the Starcrafts and Warcrafts, but like I fumbled my way through them terribly on like easy or something I'm just is not is not my genre. So as all. somebody coming
0: from that perspective, I'm surprised you didn't like the first Halo Wars because it is kind of created for
1: people like you sort and sort of. But like, here's the th- like at the same time while I'm I, while it is. I can't get around to using a controller to play an RTS really? thing. I just didn't feel, I mean it was better than average, but I just didn't feel that it worked properly and I was more frustrated with trying to get things to do what I wanted them to do. That I, just, I was just constantly still feeling, I mean I think they did a, a good job with it, but I still just constantly felt like I wouldn't have, have had that problem if I could just use a damn mouse. Well you're not going to like this game then.
0: because it... I don't expect to. <laughs> It basically uses the same exact control scheme as uh, as Halo Wars 1, but I actually differ with you on that. I think it's pretty much found the best way possible to control an RTS with a console controller. Um, you're right. It's not as good as playing with uh, with a mouse and keyboard. It's not even but close. Can,
1: can I play it with a mouse and keyboard? Is this also on PC? I've been
0: playing the Xbox One version. I didn't but is mind. it like... It's cross... It is cross-play, yeah. All right, maybe we'll try it. So, but I think... But here's the thing, though. I feel like if you... This game has been built for the controller. I feel like if you played it with a mouse and a keyboard, it would almost be, like, too easy. You see what I'm saying? Like, the game is balanced to assuming... I don't care about that. The, you don't? <laughs> no, I, don't. <laughs> I think the game is balanced assuming that everyone's using a controller. Mm. And I think if you were to use a mouse and a keyboard, it might be really easy. I think the game is pretty easy already using a console controller. But I'm really enjoying it. Um, one big thing about me with rts is with the exception of a couple franchises like obviously command and conquer is something i grew up with so i have an affinity for that uh starcraft as well like i get into that universe but a lot of rts games like i just don't care about the subject matter Mm. and therefore i don't even know about the subject matter so i don't have kind of that lore that's kind of lying underneath for me to get excited about a game but the thing i love about the halo wars games is i do know about the lore and i do know what all the units are and I do know what their capabilities are and it's, it's, uh, it's invigorating to see them kind of in this new environment and see them kind of stacking up against the enemy's armaments that you also know about and you also have a frame of reference for mm. um, and that's why the, the topic is, or the graphics has comfort food because like you I'm not a huge RTS person but because of this Trojan horse of the Halo skin so to speak I'm more, I'm, I'm more apt to give it A real chance and a real opportunity And more I have to stick with it after I started playing it Like I started uh, playing Total War Warhammer
2: Mm -hmm. The
0: game is gorgeous Um, Hardcore RTS You know, I had watched the trailers for it They sent me a code to review it I played it for like
1: three hours And I was just like, "I, I can't do this like, it was just so complicated. The Total War games are up there in my, my list of games of, like, oh, I wish I could be good at this. And the and verbiage
0: is so obtuse. It's like I can't even understand, like, when they're talking about basic things
1: because they use this stuff from, like, the 40K universe. Right. That I would understand because I've played so much Dawn of War. I mean, I but look, like, I've
0: played a good bit of 40K stuff, mm-hmm.
1: and... Here's the thing, like... The thing about RTSs and me, and, I, and maybe people who are listening to what I, you know, I said, Rise of Nations, Dawn of War, and uh, Sins of a Solar Empire, the common thread through all of those games is that they have a game mode where you take over a world map, basically. Right. Yeah. Like That's the thing I'm interested I I love this. Like one, Civ. Like Civ, or like Total War, Right. they do that. But like that's what I love about, you know, like like the, the you know, the conquest uh, mode in, in Rise of Nations was an eye opener for me. And Dawn of War, my favorite ones are Dark Crusade and Soulstorm, which you know, you pick a commander, you have a giant map, and you kind of do a little turn based thing, and every time your turns end up with two armies meeting you have a real-time strategy game battle that determines who gets to control that and then that gives you bonuses you can add add stuff on to your commander and gives you more bonuses you know in gameplay and so that stuff is what really uh hooks me in an rts the actual gameplay of an rts like what i'm looking at there with halo wars 2 where it's like you're just playing a campaign going through like a halo you know a halo story i don't really care about that here's what i would say though This
0: is the best Halo story, maybe, (laughs) maybe ever, Matt. I'm not even kidding. Like, I mean, the bar is pretty low at this point. The story for Halo 4 and Halo 5, Halo 5 a little better. But both the stories in those games were not good. Mm -hmm. And the amount of attention that has been given to storytelling in this is incredible. The first Halo Wars... You kind of saw that, got that first little taste of like, what would it be like if a studio spent AAA money on an RTS? Mm-hmm. It's full bore here. I mean, the CG sequences in this are absolutely incredible. The, the writing, CG scenes
1: in Halo Wars one were pretty great. They were
0: pretty yeah. good too. The writing in this is incredible. The scenario is awesome. Basically, it takes place right after Halo Five. It takes place 28 years after the first Halo Wars. Basically, all the Spartans and USNC have been in cryo sleep. Where we heard that before. For 28 years after Halo 1, they've just been adrift in space. Uh, they're awoken above this planet. They go down to the planet. They find out that this brand-new race called the Banished, led by this crazy dude called General Atriox, has been taking over down on the planet. You basically go down to fight him. He completely whoops your ass. Kills a Spartan, like, boom, right out of the beginning of the game. A minor spoiler, sorry. <laughs> but he literally just crushes a Spartan like he's a flea. And it just sets the tone right away for, oh my gosh, like, like before you get there, they had wiped out the Covenant in its heyday, like him and his army. So immediately there's this fear and there's this, they do a really good job of establishing right away, hey, here's the bad guy and he's a badass. And, th- and that is a small thing in games that to me pays huge dividends and so many games forget to do it. And so I've been completely hooked into the story in this. Um, the gameplay, it's very streamlined. Like, the base building is really simple, like you can see. It's basically just, like, choose from a modular menu, drop the thing down. Um, resource, ma- resource management is really simple as well. Um, I'm, I'm really having a blast with it. I'm not, not finished with it. I'm about five hours into the campaign. I've probably played about six or seven hours of multiplayer. And the multiplayer's great too, man. Like, uh, they have this mode called Blitz that really streamlines everything. Like, you don't even have to, like... Like, create resources. It just randomly spawns around the map. So you're not, like, constantly worrying about, like, creating this plant that creates this ore that you need to Hmm. build this thing. Like, again, as someone who's not a hardcore RTS player and has had problems, in all honesty, getting through some of the more intricate, more difficult RTS games, like, this hits the sweet spot for me. And, again, like, it is probably it probably has the best production values of any RTS I've ever played because it has that Microsoft money going into it like you know a lot of RTS the cutscenes are kind of handled in engine and then the camera zooms in and you see that the units are made out of like 500 polygons like they do handle all the storytelling pretty much um with CG sequences stunning CG sequences I might add um there's some storytelling on the fly but it's usually just voice communications that you're getting uh, there's a new Cortana in the game who you immediately kind of fall for. And I don't feel like I miss her so much. Like, the writing's great. She has her own personality. Um, her name is Isabel. Um, what else can I say about this? Uh, the combat follows like a rock, paper, scissors. Like, the units, there's basically like three classes of units. And mm-hmm. you always know one class trumps this one, that trumps this one. And then the, like, the circle completes... Um, So it's very simple to figure out, you know, which units do I need to use to attack this unit that's totally kicking my ass. Um, There's a skirmish mode. You can play it by yourself or cooperatively with a friend. Um, There's stronghold and domination modes, which are your typical kind of, like, capture the point or capture the node-type modes. Um, In blitz mode, you also, there's, like, kind of a card and deck-building mechanic. Like, the units in that mode specifically, you have to Mm. collect cards that you earn in the campaign to buy the units to use in Blitz mode, so there's kind of an incentive. Unlike like we were talking about for Honor earlier, where there's very little carryover from the campaign into the multiplayer, there's a lot of carryover in this case. And Blitz, in my opinion, is the best multiplayer mode and one of my favorite RTS multiplayer modes I've ever played. Matt,
1: so is it, so is do they have like some kind of like pay to win thing in this? Is it like not that I've discovered so far? No. Not at all. Like I've not. They don't have the card mechanic to buy packs and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, there of course there is. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say Microsoft, you got to have.
0: Oh, there's rec packs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're in the game. I just personally haven't come across anyone yet where I. And maybe it's just matchmaking that's mm. really good, but I've not come across anyone yet who had this crazy powerful deck that I where their level didn't match the deck, so to speak, where mm-hmm. it looked like they had spent copious amounts of cash to build their deck. So. I'm really liking this game, Matt. I feel like it's kind of that, hit that perfect sweet spot for me. The production values are great. I don't honestly know why Microsoft is making the game. Like, I really don't. Like, Because they got no Halo this year. But... I think they wanted to fill a gap. I mean, I get it, but fill it with something else. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, as much as I'm enjoying this game... You don't think it's going to sell? No, I don't think it's going to sell at all. Like, I think it'll be lucky to hit a million units. Lucky. How much did the first one sell? If I remember correctly, it made uh, maybe like 1.4
1: or something mm. like
0: that, but that was on Xbox 360. I mean, at had surprised. a bigger install base. I was
1: surprised when they announced this. I never thought we'd see this franchise again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I honestly think it's a poor decision on Microsoft's part to relight this game. And, uh, I mean, and the money that's gone into it, like, you can look at these, look at these CG sequences, man. These things are no freaking joke. Like, oh, yeah. they paid some studio a ton of money to do these things,
1: and... I don't know that the, they, I do like those, uh, the commercial, the the, the videos they have where it's the, the battle of wits thing going on. Like, that's earning those, those goodwill, I think. Yeah. You, you never know. Yep. But, um... That's the crazy thing.
0: It's very rare that I'm really enjoying a game, but then I say I think it was a terrible idea to actually make it. But that's what I feel with this yeah. game. Like, you know, I can see too with the traffic for this game on Sifted. You know, I can see mm-hmm. what other Xbox One games are doing traffic wise, and I can see what this one's doing, and it is not tracking especially well. So,
1: I guess that's kind of how I feel about Phantom Dust. Is like, yeah. I mean, I loved the original Phantom Dust yeah. on the first Xbox, and like, I'm super excited that it's not dead. And they said it's coming out before E3. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. I think you're nuts to yeah. make that game, <laughs> but yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it and enjoy it and love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait. But it's like, I feel like, it's, like you could fit the number of people who can't wait the way I can't wait in like a room. Pretty much. <laughs> and, <it's>
0: like, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about yeah. Halo Wars 2.
1: Halo Wars 2 would require a larger room. But, yeah. But. You're probably right.
0: So I would say, one, if you really love Halo Wars 1, buy this, no hesitation. In my opinion, from what I've played so far, far superior game, certainly far better multiplayer modes, better production values across the board. Two, if you're somebody who wants to maybe dabble in the genre, and you're not ready to just kind of like dive into the the end of the pool that's 12 feet deep, um, this is a great kind of primer. Uh, A great gateway game if it were, like I feel like once you get to the end of this you'll kind of realize whether you have a strong enough affinity for the genre to dive into the more challenging entries and the more intricate and complicated entries in the genre, so If you never had an interest in an RTS game, I don't think this game is good enough to change your mind unless you're a huge Halo fan, because it does an excellent job of handling the IP um, is creating a brand new story arc with a brand new race that's never been a part of uh, Halo before I have a feeling this is going to lead right into Halo 6 Whatever the conclusion of this is, is probably going to lead right into the Halo 6 plot um, And there is that bonus factor of it being an RTS in the Halo universe Like, if you don't care about Halo, obviously that's not going to have any sway for you But I do care about Halo and I like Halo and it makes a difference to me playing with units from the Halo universe and seeing what they're capable of in this whole other theater of war. Mm. And also against these armaments from the enemies, because mm. the Covenant is in the game. Like, you'll see them, they're almost like the henchmen of the Banished in some ways. It's like the Banished conquered them, and now the Covenant is their bitch, right. so yeah. to
1: speak. One of the other problems I had with Halo Wars was um, I just found uh, uh, the side I was forced to play boring yeah i don't I don't find the, the well, space. i mean
0: look, the u s n c is what it is yeah. it's like a bunch of white bread honkies out in space, like
1: like I just felt like the Covenant had way cooler toys to play with, and like that's sort of like you know yeah. in an r t s that's like half the battle there. Is I don't that, know. There's something about... Like, oh, I've worked up to the point that I have another guy with a machine gun. Great. Right. It's like... Yeah, I, but those I just are just that's just any... infantry.
0: It's like, you know, having a warthog and watching it wheel around and having a guy in the back operating the turret separately and all the other vehicles that are in the game that are typically on the side of the USNC. I...
1: I guess that's just a matter of opinion. Yeah, I just don't... If I'm going to play something that's, like, straight-up machine guns, tanks, and jeeps, I'm going to play Company of Heroes. Yeah. Yeah, I just... It doesn't grab me. I'm interested in... But the. see, th- Company
0: of Heroes, games like that, they, they have that... This isn't for people who would play those games. Mm-hmm. Because Company of Heroes is, like, if you remember, they have, like, the whole cold mechanic. Like, I hated that. Like, Company of Heroes 2, I started to play it, and they have this crazy mechanic in it where you can freeze to death. And what I found is just, like... <laughs> The whole game, all I'm thinking about is whether I'm going to freeze to death or not. And I never had fun with it. And it was another RTS where I played a few hours of it and never went back to it. And, Mm -hmm. like, there's no... All, like, the contrivances and the annoyances of the genre for people who don't love the RTS genre are stripped away here. And it's pure and it's simple and it's easy. Yet, as you get farther into the game, you have to really start kind of using your
1: noggin and... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's a good gateway I guess, game. I guess it was just like kind of similar to how um, I, I can't remember who said that. This, it was way back in the day, but I remember um, it's an article about why. I wish I could remember who this was, but it was, uh, maybe it was Tom Chick. I don't know, but it was um, basically about like why the the writer loves civilization but doesn't care about Alpha Centauri. That's um, okay. admires Alpha Centauri. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm interested. Because I, like, I, you know, I obsessively played the Civilization games, but I never got in Alpha Centauri. And the guy, the, 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 whoever wrote it, was like, his thing was like, because when I play Civilization, I see I need this, there's this much gold and I'm going to build this granary and I'm going to do this and build a hoplite and do that. And I understand what all of those things are and inherently have a kind of a value to them in a historical perspective. When I play Alpha Centauri, I need 14 grievances, And 15, you you know, uranium, uranium, whatever. That's what I was saying. The nomenclature and the verbiage that
0: they use. It's so foreign. It's like, I have
1: no attachment to that. And, like, like the same thing kind of with what's happening with Halo Wars. is like, I don't care about the lore to the degree that I am interested in being able to have a scorpion tank, basically. Right. But,
0: see, that's what I'm saying. Like, because of the frame of reference you have, when they say... Get that scorpion tank. You know exactly what they're saying. When they're saying, hop in the Warthog, you know exactly what they're saying. You know what the capabilities are and kind of what their special attacks are. I, I, for me, that
1: goes a long way. Yeah, see, for me, I just find that it makes it predictable and I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm I would saying, be more, would be interested, I'd be more interested to play as the Banished because I don't know who they are and I'd have to learn who they are and what they can do and what their stuff does. Right, right. I am interested in what you talk about there because I'm like, well, if the Banished are the Halo 6 enemy, which A good, because yeah. I hate the Prometheans. Yeah, <laughs> so do I, yeah. Um, that also makes it interesting in that they, it makes me wonder if Halo Wars 2 might have a longer tail than we expect, because could. if it turns out it's like, oh, by the way, Halo 6 is gonna is bringing in the Banished, and if you'd like to know who they are, here's this game that came out last year. You know, it's like, it, well, I haven't finished a the game yet either, so I don't know if like General Atriox
0: dies at the end, or... Even if he does, I, that's, I feel like that's still a faction you can build on yeah. It's a new thing. Yeah. So... I'm enjoying it. I, the reviews have been, out, have been out there for a couple days. They, the embargo lifted, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday. Mm. Uh, it's hovering around 8 to an 8-point whatever. Also one of my games I drafted. So, I gave, I've, man, I've already got, like, three games in the books. Um, I have For Honor, which is slowly creeping up to an 8. I hope it gets there. And then we have Halo Wars, which is basically at an 8, around an 8.2 or something like that. Well I drafted him in the middle of the rounds, I'll probably take an 8. After the last couple seasons where I didn't even have half of my games finished, I'll take what I can get. So, that's it. That's Halo Wars 2. Um, we're ready for our trailer of the week. As always, whenever we're wa- as we're watching the trailer, get your questions in. I told you the show was going to be shorter. It's only been 2 hours and 15 minutes. Only. We're usually at hour 3 at this point. I know.
1: Like, we're only as long as a Marvel movie now. <laughs>
0: what the hell? Uh, our trailer of the week this week is for Mass Effect Andromeda. And I know we've used it before, but uh, they just started a brand new video series for the game. And the first one that they kicked it off with was combat. And combat is something that we've seen very little of. Like little Mm. flashes here and there, little cuts of it in trailers. This whole trailer explains the combat, how the weapons work. It's insane. Like, have you watched this already? Mm -mm. Oh, man, I wish you could hear it. it, Yeah, I will not be able to
1: hear it. Also, to watch Sam's face.
0: Man, the weapon, <laughs> the weapon upgrades and all this, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, but anyway, we wanted to show it to you guys, uh, in case you missed it this week on the site. Get the questions in right now. Here is Mass Effect Andromeda combat trailer.
3: Welcome to the Mass Effect Andromeda gameplay series. In Mass Effect Andromeda, you are the Pathfinder, the ultimate adventurer in a vast unexplored galaxy on a mission to find a new home for humanity.
2: Can you make it somewhere tropical, nice warm ocean, summer year-round?
3: Our first video will take a look at weapons and skills. Andromeda's action is built around fluid, fast-paced third-person combat. Our combat offers amazing freedom of movement with the use of a jump jet that allows you to jump, evade and even hover while you're fighting. You'll also notice a new dynamic cover system that allows you to seamlessly use almost anything including your own vehicle for cover. All this freedom allows you to approach the battle in a way that suits your gameplay style. Let's take a closer look at our weapons. In Mass Effect Andromeda there are four categories of guns. Pistols, shotguns, and sniper and assault rifles. Plus a range of melee weapons for up close combat. All guns are available to every player, there are no class restrictions so if you decide you want to try something new, it's as easy as switching your loadout. Guns and gear in Andromeda fall into three technology types based on where the tech comes from. Milky Way weapons typically use physical projectile ammunition that's similar to the types of weapons you might be familiar with from our original games, with some advancements, of course. These are high-impact projectile-based guns. They're great against most non-shielded targets, but require you to keep an eye on your ammo. Remnant weapons typically use beams, have a high rate of fire, and are extremely accurate. They use the overheat system and don't rely on ammo. So you'll never run out of ammo, but you'll have to wait for your gun to cool down from time to time. Helios weapons are technology from civilizations that live in the Helios cluster of Andromeda. They are generally plasma-based, which means they are slower speed but benefit from heat-seeking technology. While some are charge-based, the longer you charge them before releasing, the harder they hit. Melee weapons vary in both damage and speed, Hard-hitting hammers do maximum damage, while lightning-fast shivs or swords allow you to get in and out of harm's way with maximum speed and precision. In addition to weapons, you can also develop skills and abilities. Like the weapons, there are no restrictions on what skills you can choose, and each of the three main categories is designed to facilitate a certain style of play. Combat skills are great if you want to focus on weapons, gear, and making your character the ultimate soldier. These skills focus on improving weapon damage and accuracy, as well as giving you the ability to use flat cannons, grenades, trip mines, and more. Tech skills allow you to equip your Pathfinder with more experimental weaponry, or focus on strategic improvements for you and your squad. Cryo Beam and Flamethrower give you more offensive punch, while skills like Invasion or Energy Drain weaken your opponents and make them easier to take down. Want a little extra help? Deploy your own Assault Turret. Last but not least, Biotics. By controlling Dark Energy, your Pathfinder can harness the power of mass and gravity. Biotic skills like Pull and Throw allow you to literally control the battlefield, using your enemies as a shield or even a weapon. Abilities like Annihilation Shield or Singularity can disrupt and damage anything or anyone caught up in their powerful grip. Each skill can be upgraded to become increasingly more devastating and effective. Each also has choices to make when upgrading offering you more ways to customize your playstyle. Now that we have the basics down, let's put this into action. In this case, our Pathfinder's equipped with a sniper rifle and a shotgun, and they've got their three powers selected. You'll notice that different enemies each behave in unique ways. Some will keep their distance and try to snipe us. Others will charge right in and try to flush us out of cover. Sticky Grenades is an advanced version of the Omni Grenade combat skill. They're effective against just about anything, but they have a limited supply. Enemies each have different strengths and weaknesses. For most, headshots inflict maximum damage, but you'll need to pay attention to their health bars. Yellow means they've got armor and won't be as susceptible to certain weapons and powers. Blue means they're shielded, and in addition to being more resistant to biotics, you'll generally need to deal with those shields before their health goes down. And just like you, their shields will recharge if you don't finish them off quickly. Tactical Cloak is a tech skill that allows you to evade enemy detection and inflict increased damage when attacking from cloak. And finally, Overload. Another tech skill that's great for taking out enemy shields and synthetic enemies. By holding it before releasing, you can even chain it to multiple enemies. And this is just one of the hundreds of combinations of weapons and skills you can try in Andromeda. Stay tuned for future installments, where we'll show you our profiles to give you an added boost in combat, favorites which allow you immediate access to your sets of powers so you can change up on the fly, and squad skills and commands.
2: Take cover!
0: Matt, I gotta say, after this trailer and actually a lot of the promotional media for this game over the last month I am 100% very happy I drafted this game first overall I, and in accordance with the game I was waffling on, which was Horizon Zero Dawn after seeing a ton I mean, they're releasing media for Horizon Zero Dawn they're just throwing buckets of media out the door right now I think I'm good, I think I'm happy that I drafted this first instead of Horizon, we'll see Horizon's reviews obviously, Horizon comes out in a week,
1: basically now, yep. a week in a couple days, I, and didn't a review leak
0: last night for Horizon? Yep.
1: Did you? Yep. Was there a score on the review? There was no score, but it was basically about how much the reviewer was in love with it because of the characters in the world, and it wasn't it didn't really talk about the game much. Yeah,
0: I looked at it. You sent it to me on my phone. I couldn't see a score. I was wondering maybe there was no it was no like, score.
1: Yeah, it was. Just but like I couldn't a,
0: figure out like why the person liked the game. <laughs>
1: I don't know. That was it. Was like a lot of comparisons to Hermione and Katniss and and Hermione, yeah. And uh, but just basically, like it 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 just seemed like you know the reviewer had basically never gotten into an open world RPG before, Uh, and this was the one that really sucked her in and and made her kind of really understand why people play these things for thirty to sixty hours, Um, which is good. I mean, it's like you know, good. Like if that's if it's if it's so good and so convincing in its lore and, and presentation that it makes someone go, oh, that's why you played The Witcher 3 for 100 hours. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty good game, so we'll see. Yeah, the but, combat in uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is insane. I mean, like, honestly, I blown if you,
0: away by that trailer. I mean, like,
1: honestly, if you wanted to trade me Horizon for Mass Effect, I'd probably take it. You would And vice it? versa. Like I, I feel like these are both going to score really yeah, high. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd agree. I'm not saying Horizon's not going to be good. I've been mm-hmm. all over Horizon for freaking ever. So let's get to some questions here. Um... From Justin Horman, who always asks questions. Thank you very much. Seen a few pieces of content about toys and figures in the past few days. What is a franchise for which you would actually buy
1: a toy or figure if it were made? Well, Matt, you've bought a ton already, right? Um, not for video games so much. Really? Uh, I don't, I, similar to, like, comic book characters, I rarely find that um, a figure captures them properly. Yeah. Um, in comics more because art style is such a thing but like very often like i just don't feel like a, a 3d represent a 3d plastic representation of a video game character really nails it uh whatever you know whatever that thing they have is i'm trying to think if there's any video game figures i own I don't really buy figures but they get
0: sent well they, not anymore but it used to be back in the day be, yeah. the video game publishers sent you them all the time
1: I mean my girlfriend I know wants like the the Tracer and Nen, Nendoro, Nendoroid or whatever because yeah. yeah, that, that was like one of the big things they showed was Overwatch is getting Nendoro, Nendoroids and then I don't know what that word is but um Nendo-droid. Nendo 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 yeah um those things and um yeah I I know like you yeah, know they do like the Play Arts Kai uh stuff with like which yeah you know, with kingdom hearts and stuff I don't care about <laughs> having figures of those but those are decent. Yeah. Um I I bought the Arkham Asylum uh play arts Batman that might be the only uh, God. What's the one company that makes the best ones? Kotobukiya? Uh they're pretty good. I mean if you really want to get super high-end hot toys. Right. Well, those um, are just <laughs> Those are $200 <laughs> yeah. 12-inch Minimum. figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't a lot I mean I know I can tell you one of the worst is NECA. Um, those guys, like you're lucky those things don't break out of the package Kotobukiya does pretty good stuff Play Arts Kai has a tremendous variation based on paint So like, Kodab- like, Kod- like uh, Play Arts Kai, you basically can't buy one of those Without looking at the actual singular item in person To make sure the paint isn't That a dis- your, isn't specific isn't- paint your specific one is, getting- is not a disaster right. in the paint department But some, you know, if you get a good one, it's pretty great yeah. Um. I, uh, again, I I don't collect them. My girlfriend's more. She has a uh, she has a lot of Assassin's Creed. Uh, like I've gotten there, like the There's the one con- back there, Connor. Maybe. Yeah. Not like, but not like that. Like it's like the the you know, the big Connor from Play Arts, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, if you get a good one, they're great figures. Yeah. If you get a bad one, you spend eighty dollars on something with a broken leg, usually. Yeah. I mean, I. And crossed eyes or whatever, you know. I
0: think I've mentioned this before. I just have. So much crap. Yeah. Video game. And now, at this point, all my video game swag is like four years old because my closet's filled up four years ago, and I haven't really bought or Mm. got anything since because the publishers don't send out that stuff anymore for review. They send you an email with a download code for the game, and that's it. Mm. So we used to get, like, every game that would come out, you get a box that would have a copy of every version of the game that was coming out. A promotional item and a promotional item of some sort, which could be a T-shirt, it could be a statue or whatever. That just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And now all that stuff is rolled into like the collector's editions. <clears throat> and only the really big sites like IGN, Polygon, and Gamespot get sent those collector's editions. So, um, if I, I guess if I would have a trophy or a trophy, a figurine for something,
1: man, I don't even know. I got a few probably statues. Samus.
0: Samus is probably my favorite oh, video game uh, character.
1: God, what was that? Fig arts, I think it was, did a really good Samus a few years ago.
0: But I I would, she's probably my favorite video game character overall, um, just as far as what she stands for and and the design and everything. Just everything rolled into one.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I would love, I would probably buy a Hot Toys like full like Varia suit. Samus. Yeah. I would probably go especially if the helmet came And if off. it
0: transformed into a ball, which is impossible, all the better. Oh
1: you never don't never say never with the with the transforming stuff these days. They can <laughs> they can work wonders.
0: I just think if you actually do the math and like the mass of the I mean her, the ball would be like this big right, exactly. but like, yeah. <laughs> like the size of a car or whatever. Um, <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, and also uh, there's a third-party company that normally makes third-party transformers that apparently is doing a Bastion from Overwatch that will actually turn into the turret. Oh wow! Which uh, I'm 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 tempted. He's gonna put Blizzard's
0: uh, character design to the test and see if it's legit, right? Yeah. Here's one from DinkyDoo15. I love that one. I don't think I've ever, we've ever answered a question from you, so welcome to the stream, bro or broet, as, as it were. Uh, how do common sense mistakes appear in finished games? Things that gamers can tell is a huge issue within five minutes of playing a game. Uh, Like a terrible camera, bad AI, and repetitive side missions.
2: Mm. I've
0: been asking myself that for 20 years. Yeah, (laughs) How many times have I said, did somebody play this before they put it out? I it think, is
1: mind-boggling. I think the answer tends to be uh, it's very hard to get 100 people to make something that all has the same vision to it.
0: No, that's part of it. One person will say I like the and Look, we do it on the show. You, you have your perspective. Yeah. I have mine. You're right. And everyone has a different perspective on what's good or bad. But I do think there are certain tenets of games that, like, it's just... Well, it's like it's like
1: Final it's Fantasy. It's good. How or bad. do you play Final Fantasy 15 for any length of time and not say, "Hey, these side quests are garbage." Yeah, like how, do, like maybe add <laughs> but something? There are tons of people.
0: Else. I mean, I see people on Facebook all the time, journalists, old journalists who used to be our colleagues who have moved on to do other things, just freaking out over Final Fantasy 15, saying, "I cannot believe the scores that some people. If this is the best game I've like ever played, I'm just like, okay, like, different folks for different folks." But like a bad camera, like a bad camera like I don't think anyone can play The Last Guardian and say the camera's great. Like no. everyone who's play it, that plays it, is going to have at least a few issues where they're be like, that camera's bad. Why does it get in there? I think a lot of times it just depends on resources. It's mm-hmm. how many people do you have working on the game? How much of a budget do you have for a QA department? Who's the leader of the studio? If you're working with Hideo Kojima, who's your camera
1: guy? Or like you know like. You know, the, I know there's, like, people that criticize Bethesda's combat. And right. It's like, how do you not, you know, if you're Realize Bethesda, how not, do you not tanky, know yeah. after this many games that, like, hey, your combat's kind of, you know, passable at tanky, best. yeah, it um, is. You know, and some of the, you know, some of the some of the answers might be, well, maybe they don't have anybody that knows combat systems well enough to make that.
0: I think, too, if you, you know? have, like, a figurehead, it, the head of your studio, like a Hideo Kojima or someone like that, like... A lot of times people are f- afraid
1: to mm. say, Hey, like, dude, this is jacked up. Like, this mm. is not good. Or, like, in this, in the, you know, I, I bet part of it and with the Bethesda stuff is it's like, Gamebryo has gone about as far as it can go with those games. You know, yeah. Maybe, maybe if, they, if Elder Scrolls Six, fingers crossed, gets announced at E3, and it has a new engine, please. 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 Maybe the combat will be something else. Maybe yeah. the combat will be something more involved and more fun. But like, yeah. But Dicky, do I don't think there's. A, just I don't think one there's a game, reason. Yeah, it's an, different with each. Every project each fails game. in its own way. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> That's it, true. It's uh, it, and it's you know, it, you, I think a lot of it comes down to like just you know prioritization. Like, well, the camera's not great, but we have to make sure it doesn't crash. Right. You know, and like Last Guard. I mean, there's last, so much stuff that goes. Last Guardian too. has probably the most combative camera I've played in a game in the last 10 years. Well, it's also more. rare
0: to just control a camera anymore. Like, most games, you hardly even control the camera anymore. It not just...
1: something like Dark Souls. Like, Dark Souls, you're using the camera constantly. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's, that's not also annoying. Kind of an, it isn't,
0: but it's also kind of an older-styled game. Like, most new games, like, mm. sometimes they'll give you the control of the camera. You don't even realize you have it because you just don't need it because they program the camera so well. I think God of War is one of the first franchises that really did that, mm. where it was just like, man, every
1: moment this camera is being curated and controlled by the developers. It's just like a, but it's like, the thing about Last Guardian is the camera problems are sort of a throwback to like the PS2 era, where like, where partly it was just like you know, the, the, the language of how to use the camera in a 3D game was still sort of being developed, but it was also, the hardware just wasn't there to handle that kind of nuance. But now that excuse is kind of gone, and you're sort of like, well, was this a choice? That you've decided to put in an irritating camera, or do you just not have the time or money or wherewithal to go back to the whole game and make sure the camera works in every single situation? Because that's the problem. It's like you're constantly getting stuck in That's on what trees I said about resources and, and, and QA. Yeah. Te- how,
0: how big is your QA team? Do you have I mean, I 500 yeah. people playing your game and going to every little nook and cranny of the world, or do you have 100? They were think- just, like, plowing through the quest over and over to make sure mm. there's no game-breaking
1: bugs. It makes a big difference. And I don't think Team Eco is intentionally going to be like, oh, let's see him deal with this camera. I don't think they had enough time, Matt. They didn't have enough time, <laughs> yeah. Well, again... <laughs> At some point, I'm sure that game started over from scratch. Yeah, I'm sure too. You know, and, yeah. and that's basically, You know, even if you already know what you're making, you still gotta make it, and it's simple. Po- the other thing is, like, sometimes you have a QA tester problem, where like they played it enough that they don't notice that flaw as much. Well, anymore. it's like
0: sometimes when I write like a review or a game eval, it's like if you keep reading something, your brain just assumes that it's fine. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, like, um, I'll write a game eval, we'll publish it, it'll go up on the site. And I would have read that game eval like three or four times before it goes up. And as soon as it goes up on the site, bing, I see a typo. Like, mm-hmm. immediately. Because it's, you're viewing it in this different environment from what you're viewing it this whole other time. And just seeing it with like a black background and with a different font, like suddenly your eyes pick out this typo out of this wall of text that it couldn't before after you'd read it a bunch of times. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes yeah. into finding
1: It's also like the, you know, J.C. Hertz tells a story in her book Joystick Nation about, it was a, uh, A Sega CD game. They never named the game. There was a Sega CD game back in the day. And it was for a a kid's property. It was more of a licensed kid's property apparently. And it was in development for like a long time. It was like delays and delays. And the QA testers would play through it and play through, it, and they got really good. They're like, make it hard. It's too easy, too easy, too. Make it harder. And finally, the game came out, and it was just hard as all hell. And yeah. children were crying on that's Christmas morning. That's the other part morning, of it too. Yeah. And parents were angrily bringing it back the next day, saying, "Who the hell would make a child play this?" I've always believed that's that was Mickey Mania, because yeah. Mickey Mania on the Sega CD was brutal. But um, I don't know. I've heard people say that no. That's when
0: too many testers go. It goes yeah. wrong. Yeah.
1: But, like it's just like like you say, you get tunnel vision if you work on these things long enough, and you know the really good developers are able to step away and and recognize, but sometimes things slip the cracks i don't I don't feel most of the time they're trying to make a bad thing or trying to let a bad thing go because they're I don't know lazy or whatever. I think it's usually just. Production's hard.
0: It is. That's why someone responded to him and said making video games is hard. Yeah. Uh, we are going to answer a couple more questions than we normally do today because our show is a little shorter than normal. So I'm going to give you guys your money's worth. Um, here's one from Godzilla. When I played Halo Wars Tour at Gamescom last year, it was very janky. How is it now? Not at all. It's really polished and, and really clean. So no issues there. Um, Odin5, do you think the sw- after the Switch launch, after finishing Zelda, Splatoon, etc. Will it collect dust like the Wii U for a while? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, maybe I'll play Mario Kart. I mean, it depends. If you had a Wii U and you bought most of the good games for the Wii U, yes, it mm. is going to collect dust. Um, if you're like Matt, who got a Wii U late cycle, only had a game or two for it, like I think it'll probably get more play. I am looking at it like I'm probably not going to play my Switch much after the first Mm. month and a half.
1: There's also, you know, people, I've seen people concerned that, like, okay, like, they want it for Mario Kart or they want it for uh, Splatoon 2. And they're worried that there won't be more in stores in time, you know, say Splatoon comes out, what, like, July or August or whatever? Yeah. Will there be switches in stores for them to buy? Then, because you, know, you, know, you know, supply chain problems are a real a reality. You know. Well, you know, the NES Classic Edition outsold the Wii U last month.
0: <laughs> Think about that.
1: It's crazy. Um, so, like, I totally, I, ident- you know, it's like, you know, if you if you really want Mario Odyssey, it may not even a bad idea to get it now if you can. In one way, a big the investment they just have sitting around. It is. But here's what's going to happen, though. I, I
0: Depends how Mario crazy you are, I guess. I just think people will be fine, because this is going to happen. It's going to... Zelda, everyone's going to finish Zelda. Maybe a third of the people who played Zelda are going to care about Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Man, you got nine or ten months in there to let Nintendo keep throwing that stock back into the channels. Like, I don't think... It, like I said, I predicted five million or less sales of Switch for this year. So,
1: going by that... Here's a question. How many people? <laughs> this would be stupid. How many people do you think will, will buy a Switch, play Zelda, and sell the Switch back? A lot, because mm. they're gonna go look on eBay and they're gonna be like, I can get double for this
0: thing. Mm. I don't care about Splatoon. We'll pick it up whenever. I next played thing Mario I want Kart to 8. I'll get this thing for Christmas from my family, or my birthday in July, or whatever. Mm. A lot.
1: I think a lot. So you think like maybe if you don't. Manage to get a launch switch Wait a few weeks and Well no I think you're going to pay oh, That pay first huge. month You're
0: going to pay out the nose On eBay for them mm. But I think A month and a half Two months Unless you're in Europe Yeah I mean, exactly You can just walk in And get one there But like a month and a half Two months after launch I think there's going to be Supply in the chain mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think people Will be okay so. You would
1: hope But we've seen With you know With the, the Amiibo Not always the case It's true Hopefully there will be A little more attentive I mean the NES to- Classic. Yeah. Still, you can't buy I've it. never seen one in a store. I saw one in person for the first time last week in someone's office. Oh, yeah? That was That's the only time I've seen one. Yeah, I've never seen one in person
0: either. Nintendo never sent me one, so I don't have the time to go looking for one. Uh, kills with kindness. Do you think Microsoft's chase for console power
1: is the right move? Kind eh. of hurt. Unless it costs too much. That's, I don't know. That's the I, X Factor. Like, I don't know what, what Microsoft's move is here. They, they don't, I mean, well, I mean, outside of, like, you should make a really powerful system for a cheap amount of money that plays all these awesome games that we don't know about yet. Like, I it, mean, let's be honest. This is the next Xbox, whereas yeah. Sony made this little incremental
0: dinky-do, dinky-do, leap. It wasn't even a leap. It was like a nudge. Scorpio is aiming to be the next-gen Xbox. The yeah. only difference is it's guaranteed to be backwards compatible
1: with Xbox One, right. which is a Pro, big difference. PS4 Pro is kind of like, this is kind of what we should have launched with. Right. Whereas Scorpio is Scorpio clearly, is like, here's our next machine. Yeah. Like, I think PS4
0: Pro will probably be relevant for two years. I think Scorpio is going to be relevant for four or five years. Ooh. So that's kind of your difference. And I think that also kind of changes expectations for what you'll pay. Um, the Pactor Factor just went up on uh, YouTube this week that he, where he referenced the price of Scorpio and I saw a lot of people in the comments on YouTube saying oh 539 549 and I'm just like don't even say that like yeah. don't don't put that in the comment like you don't want to give Microsoft any ideas because I want it to succeed and I think at that price it's doomed so um, is it the right move though we haven't answered this question to go for more power I think it is I think it's going to I think it's particularly a Microsoft uh, situation right now Um, It's in a place where it's hardware, it was already weaker, there's already this even stronger version of the PlayStation 4 out there. Switch is coming out, even though it's not really a direct competitor, Mm -hmm. it's gonna have a lot of noise, it's gonna take a lot of money out of the market. I think Microsoft needs to make a splash with something where people are like, holy shit. Yeah, and be- the only way you're gonna be able to do that is with power—the power, the
1: power mm-hmm. that uh, a console like—you got to wow have. in the way that we haven't been wowed in generational leaps in a while. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, they're gonna get totally left in the dust. Frankly, so. The
1: last time I really, like, my jaw really dropped at a generational leap was the Dreamcast. Yeah. I mean, sort of in that press conference where Sony played all the footage that wasn't real of Killzone. Right. Um, oh man, that was a jaw <laughs> dropper. I still haven't seen a shooter that looks as good as that. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> And we were all gullible enough to think it might be possible. I mean, I remember walking out of there saying that was all bullshit. Mm. But still, for that brief moment when I saw it, I, my heart went ba-bom, bum
1: bom ba I was like, oh my god, like, are you kidding me? And yeah, they were. It yeah. was all CG. Well, I mean, yeah, I walked out of that, was just be kind of the thing. It's like, oh my god. And I was like, Emotion Engine. That was bullshit. Well, the <laughs> crazy
0: part about it, too, I think maybe I was, you were there one time at DICE when I interviewed Phil Harrison. Were you there? Maybe When they offered up Phil, it was like right after they did that. It was the GDC right after they... GDC, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. We were like in like a gymnasium or something. Yep. It, was, it was like a weird and side dude, room. dude, I became
0: a thorn in that guy's side because every time I saw him, I always interviewed him and I would be like, bro, that's bull. Those mm-hmm. trailers are bull crap. And he'd be like, no, no, no. Those are our targets. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you're lying. Because like, then they finally showed... You're lying or someone's lying to you. Right, like, then they finally showed MotorStorm. And that was what I actually asked him about. I'm like, okay, so you showed MotorStorm, obviously, nowhere near the trailer that you showed. Remember that trailer? you showed, like,
1: the mud, like, white oh, off. Oh, yeah. like,
0: Dude, it wasn't even in that league. And he stood there and tried to say, oh, you like, sure Like, you're just is. starting
1: to hit that level of fidelity in, like, Cars 3. No, like, we're it's not, like, yeah, like, yeah. in CG movies. In CG movies, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was just like, come on, man. I'm like, you're crazy. And he's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We've hit our target. I'm like, oh, pfft. A very anyway. wide target, sir. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it is the right move for Microsoft. I think it needs to be. I don't see what other much. move they have, even if it isn't the
2: right move.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dinky, do again. I just just a quick answer on Mark. Someone asked a question about Marcus. Uh, will he make a guest appearance on Game Face soon? Soon, probably not. Um, eventually, I definitely want to bring him in here and have him kind of mm-hmm. address you guys. And I think he wants to thank you guys, too, because you guys were integral in raising all the money for him. Um, but right now, we're just kind of letting him do his thing and get back into the swing of life and all that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously, when you go through something like this, there's a lot of emotional trauma that's tied mm-hmm. into it. It's not just the physical part. You know, he had heart surgery and all this. There's an emotional side to it. Like, um, so everyone's just kind of taking a step back, letting Marcus kind of feel his way around things and figure it all out. But uh, as soon as he feels up to it, we will definitely have him on the show. Uh, we also might have another guest coming on
1: the show in the yeah. future. We're not we'll going to say anything, but... You guys will be really excited about it if it happens. Unfashionable asks, are you playing a male or female character when you start Mass Effect Andromeda? Did you play both sexes in the original series? Male. I always, I always play male in any game. Uh, that one's going to depend on um, uh, who the voice actors are for me. I understand uh, that. I did play both in the original Mass Effect. I played uh, male first just because that happened to be who I created. I created a male Paragon Vanguard on the first game. Um, I did not realize how dedicated I would become to the series at that point, yeah, otherwise yeah. Um, so i played i would, the, my general you know, run on those was I played through as a male paragon first and then I played through as a female renegade second uh, and she 's the one I would do my uh, hard my, my insanity difficulty run through with um, because uh being renegade generally meant you got to shoot more people without having to do the hard stuff right and uh, Jennifer Hale uh, was awesome. So uh, I'll probably end up playing both But I, who I pick is going to depend on Who's voice acting who
0: If I have a choice I always play male
1: Always. Um,
0: I don't know why, no explanation I guess because I'm a male and I just want it to represent me As closely as possible, it's like when in character creation
1: I always try to create a character that looks like me I don't know why I don't do that, I don't want I, I to look like me like,
0: <laughs> I always do that
1: fantasy world, I don't have to do, look like this anymore <laughs> That's the whole point Chevelle
0: Man, 1979, do you think Microsoft will announce A price and release date for the Scorpio At E3, yes Definitely, without a doubt. And I, don't, and I think it will release specs, unlike yeah. we will ever get from Nintendo. Right, well, because they're going to want to brag about their specs, yeah. and Nintendo doesn't so. think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you'll get everything on Scorpio. You'll know at least like what a few of the launch lineup games are. I think you'll get to see the games for launch. I think we'll get to play the launch games. I, I think nothing will be
1: left to, uh, to chance
0: after E3 for Scorpio.
1: Oh, Dinky-Doo does ask you, I need to watch all the X-Men and Wolverine movies to enjoy Logan. No, you don't need to watch any of them because Logan is not really in continuity with anything. They don't care. Doesn't matter. Logan has uh, claws that pop out of his hand and he has a healing factor and Professor X is psychic. There, you're ready. You're ready to see Logan. Here's a big question, Matt. Morat, Yilmaz.
0: would you recommend Switch? Me? But I think they ask uh,
1: asking both of us. I don't know. I haven't played it <laughs> But I recommend Switch. I mean, if everyone's wondering, like, should they buy it? You know, it comes out in two weeks. Not unless you're a really big Zelda fan. Who I think who doesn't have a Wii U, who doesn't have a Wii U, and if they, you do have a Wii U, you really don't feel that that resolution is sufficient. Like, I, I don't. I don't know why you'd buy a Switch right now unless you're a huge Zelda fan or you, yeah. you have to talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> if you have a Wii U, I would say do not buy the Switch. Just wait and see how Mario is, basically. because all
0: you're gonna do is if you have a Wii U already, all you're gonna do is you're gonna buy it, you're gonna spend the three hundred mm-hmm. and some dollars, you're gonna play Zelda, which you're probably gonna love for five weeks, maybe whatever you can milk out of it, and then you're gonna wait for till like summertime for
1: Splatoon. Also, if you don't already have a pre-order in, two. like you're probably waiting in line till midnight at Best Buy or something, I just don't think it's worth that. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I would say no. I don't recommend it to buy right now. I mean, I'd say most... Unless you're... I'd, I'd say that about you don't most have a video, video game stuff right now. Wait and see what, what the reviews and what the impressions are. It's really hard to recommend are. someone be an early
0: adopter of almost anything right, right. now. Uh, let's see. what's well, well, there are a couple more? Um, oh,
1: somebody asked about the new Warner Brothers. Oh, that was Dinky Doo again. He's announcing a new game in March with a little logo. Uh, will it be Batman or Shadow of Mordor? I'm pretty sure that's Batman. That that logo looks a lot like the the art style in Arkham Origins. So I don't think it'll
0: be Rocksteady though. I think it'll be uh Montreal. Here's a really good question. Lord Xerxes, do you think it's better for Microsoft to focus on hardware and not making better software for Xbox One?
2: <sighs> uh-huh.
0: Well, you here's know, the thing. There
1: was a time when, like, the, the conventional wisdom was like, you know, it's all about the software. It's all about the library. Uh, I don't know if quality gets you as far ahead as it used to these days. Well, like
0: I said earlier, I just think. Microsoft needs to make a splash with its uh, with its brand right now. It's got
1: to. It better have a few games up its sleeve we don't know about. It has sure. to. I mean, what else? I mean, there have to be. Right. It has to, mean, it, it It's not. It didn't stop developing games. It and we can't have, just be Forza and uh, and Crackdown and. Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. It's got to. There's, there's got to be some stuff in there that blows us away. They're stupid if they don't show Halo Six for the first time running on Scorpio and looking better than anything's ever looked. In Halo. Here's the thing, though. Making software for Scorpio is making software for Xbox One. Right. So, hopefully, if, with more success in the scalability than the PlayStation 4 Pro is. At. Right. And so, yes, it, in that case, it is okay for Microsoft
0: to focus on hardware, knowing that the software is developing for that new hardware will also run on the old hardware.
1: So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Microsoft. They just need to stick real close right. to the. Philosophy of making sure it runs well on the old hardware. I mean, scale down whatever you need to scale down, but you know, Sony I think has shown us what not to do in that in that realm. Okay, one more question. Pot F two asks, uh, when is it ever good to buy a console at launch? It's a good point.
0: Um. Let's see. Any good stories from working at Gamespot, G Four, and Game Trailers? Yeah, millions. That we can you don't tell watch, you. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I just told one earlier today about yeah. Jeff and uh, I and Ryan Davis getting our color consoles and then the smell almost making us pass out. Right. Um, if you watch the show, I don't know if you maybe you don't. I haven't, like I said, I haven't really seen you in our chat very much in prior episodes but we tell we tell stories about the old days all the time in fact i think that's one of the things a lot of our viewers like most about this show because uh, a lot of people weren't around whenever we were doing we were working in the industry in those early mm. days and the industry was a lot different then too um than it is now it's a lot more uh personable i think and person to person there wasn't as many outlets
1: so everybody knew each other and yeah. now there's like all also the we were all about the same age yeah yeah we were all kind of the, you know there's I remember when we started to realize that all the all the people at these like journalism events were like they're all like children. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. They're, they're inviting babies. Yeah, to, yeah. To the events. So it's, it's changed a lot over yeah. the last uh, 15 years or so, for sure. I well, mean,
0: especially the last five. Like that's yeah. really when the whole
1: YouTube thing started taking off and all that. So. And a lot of the other out- like traditional outlets just sort of collapsed, like flans and cupboards. Okay, here's the last one from the Abram.
0: If Nintendo ever goes the VR route, what franchise would you guys like to see
1: it in? No Mario allowed. Well, I'm always easy on the, in the what I want to see first in VR thing, uh, Star Fox. Yeah. I want to sit in a cockpit and shoot stuff. I just think I'd get sick.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you get sick. I just
1: barf. <laughs> Either that or Metroid, like Metroid That's Prime. what I was
0: going to say. Just imagine going into the ball form in VR. Oh, that, even That might even get me. I don't know. <laughs> but it'd be, like, quick. Right. But imagine, like, experiencing what it's like to be Samus and go from human form into that ball and then how does she see... Like, when you really start thinking about Samus, it it really doesn't make any sense. I mean,
1: the Chozo stuff is basically science is so advanced as magic. Some of it might actually be magic, so there's some things about how she actually, you know, warps into a subspace pocket while it becomes a ball, so she's, like, her perspective on the ball would be similar to our perspective on the ball in Metroid Prime. Oh, uh, got you. Um, I don't know if they've ever fully explained that. I don't think they care. Yeah. It's like it's like that whole thing where it's like, what's the Zelda timeline? Hyrule Historic comes out, here's the Zelda timeline. It's like, you guys just sat in a room with, like, some whiskey and came up with this, like, yeah. right? Like. Like, that's not being thought of. It's all about, you know... And it's it's an admirable part of Nintendo, really. It's like, they don't care if it makes sense in the lore. They no just want it to be a fun gameplay yeah. element.
0: And compelling, yep.
1: No one was thinking about that when they designed that part in Metroid 1. Yep,
0: it's like, you're right. They're just like, she turns into a ball, and that's damn, damn cool. <laughs> all right, that's it, everybody. Uh, that's it for Game Face, episode 75 here on Sifted Games. Um... Everybody have an excellent weekend. Uh, we'll try to get this archive up as soon as possible. I just saw some of you guys jumped in late and missed the first part of the stream. Uh, so we'll head out of here and get up the archive as quick as we can. If everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>
2: ha 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 ah ah ah